All right. Welcome back, everybody. First, before I get into anything, go check out our Rumble. We'll leave the description below. We want to start streaming there because everybody knows how YouTube is. Second, welcome back to episode 61. We got the man, the myth, the legend, Vance Elrod, owner of Meraki, right? Meraki Medicinal. Oh man, oh, God. I couldn't hear you. I couldn't hear you. I didn't want to interrupt that uh, because I saw your mouth moving. I was going to try to be professional. I was like, well, I'll wait till he stops talking. He looks at me. Yep. Oh, All right. Enough. There you are. Difficulties. There we We're going to cover a little bit of MMA for the MMA folks out there because Vance is a professional fighter. And the color cover a little bit of methylene blue for those who don't know what that is definitely stay tuned it's helped me quite a bit and that is what vance's um company's about and then we got some some world war ii stuff to cover too oh Just yeah badass story dude and i want to go through it so we'll launch this intro and catch you on the other side <laughs> Let's kick it off, dude. Like I said, I'm so excited to be here. Um, Vance, thanks for coming, man. How you feeling today? Just got done with the gym. Today's uh yeah, I feel I'm feeling pretty sore, beat up right now, but I feel good. So we fight in like four weeks. This is like the first week of two days. It's uh, almost Friday, so I'm almost made it through, but I'm struggling. Dude, do you wait, yeah. Do you do two days for the next four weeks until you um, yeah, I'm gonna try to do mostly two days, but it's not every day, of course. You gotta listen to your body. I know we were kind of yeah. weird chit chatting about Roy's in the beginning, but like, I, as much as I get accused, I cannot handle two days for four weeks straight. So, it would be nice to be on them. Yeah, yeah, so you could. That yeah. sounds exhausting, bro. Holy crap, it's so yeah. rough right now. Oh man, how about you, Kev? Man, how you doing, dude? It's I am really excited, bro, to have our first fighter on the show because I don't know anything about professional fighting. Just full disclosure. Mm -hmm. but it looks like there's a huge mental part of it and i'm excited to talk about that so yeah a big uh, old saying i think it is it's a hundred percent mental um and a hundred percent physical and i was like at first that makes no sense you're like whatever but it's because like your physical is like they're not the same thing it doesn't trade off and I, they go hand in hand if your mental strong your physical is going to be strong you know they go hand in hand 100 yeah yeah we were watching your uh your fights we'll link some of the fights down below um because yeah i was i was watching that first podcast with tyro shout out to tyro just subscribe to him and stuff very link, chill link dude below. a good uh a good podcast to check out vance's uh more in-depth story because we don't really like covering the whole answer every question about your business thing it's just <laughs> it's boring to me i could, if anyone wants to know more about your business you're all over the place you're yeah and all those it. links will be down below it's <laughs> so, been 30 podcasts of that so yeah yeah so so we're uh we're mental health we're veterans i'll say i sent my first dm out to vance uh when i first watched that last podcast probably about dude, it was probably six years or six months ago and they go into his grandfather right grandfather or great grandfather uh, you're talking about Hammer and Hank? Hammer and Hank. Hammer and Hank. Yeah. He's like we... a great, great uncle, actually. So he's just one off. 
Okay. Oh, yeah. Same name. I mean, though. the name is still yeah. out there, dude. It's got to provide a decent amount of, I guess, motivation for you to put your name. You know, keep that name going. Dude, it is a it's a massive thought. Anytime times get tough, I'm like, yo, like, look where you came from. You have no excuses. That's kind of what it does. It sets me at like <laughs> yeah. a high bar, like to achieve something. Yeah, we were talking. Yeah, so about if that- anyone um isn't aware, the first Medal of Honor recipient from uh, World War II was. Who we're talking about your boy hammer and hank yeah and, um he basically i mean i was going through everything he's done he's done a decent i mean he got the pretty, medal of honor bro. pretty good chunk of, of stuff yeah <laughs> but he went into a was flying against 20 other japanese pilots or something like that and dropped a bomb killed two of them dropped a bomb on one of their ships and and left <laughs> yep then they got pinned down on an island and the funny story about it all was like we knew of him and we knew there was a ship named after us. And then we deep dove it and we like, oh, okay, cool. But the first time we actually heard the story, we were watching History Channel. And like, they're talking about, it. we're like, wait a tick. And then they brought up his name. I was like, no shit. Like we're listening to a family member on History Channel, which was <laughs> wild, wild. But yeah, he, uh, they got pinned down on an island and basically surrounded and he just lost his shit, which kind of sounds like an Elrod thing to do. And he just started shooting a hole through like the troops. Got a hole through, like ran out of ammo, went and picked up a Jap gun, started blasting another hole through, got all the people out, and then he got hit in crossfire and died. So they gave him a Medal of Honor for it. And I was like, gosh, dude, that that'll wake you up in the morning. Yeah, I, I felt so inadequate listening to that. Yeah, dude, I got the chills because I'm just not good enough. <laughs> Holy moly. I couldn't imagine like waking up thinking, oh, I don't want to do this today. And then like you just think of your great. <laughs> great uncle who, who took down half the Japs. Yo, yeah. I know, bro. Like 20 people he killed. Yeah. Oh, but man. the funny thing is, dude, and like I talk about a lot, and the only thing that I'll give myself a caveat is Muhammad Ali was also the same way. But I have like one huge phobia, and it's fucking flying planes. And I don't know if it just got passed down like genealogically because he was getting shot at in planes. Mm. But like when I fly on planes to fights, I'm probably more nervous for takeoff in the plane than I am like warming up in the back room for the fight. It's pretty wild. Wow. It's yeah, because yeah. you're so powerless too. It's like your DNA was like, okay, the plane's got this guy. We're gonna put a stop to that. <laughs> yeah, dude. Plane, planes give me, dude. It's hilarious. It's like it's actually. It's meditative for me because I get to like actually challenge myself. Like I'm like I'm grateful for it, but it dude, every takeoff, I'm just a little bitch. It's it's <laughs> hilarious to me because mentally I'm fine, but physically I'm shaking. Like when you hit turbulence and they're like, Oh, we got a bit of turbulence. It feels like you're going over like a giant pothole. They're like, Oh, that's not that bad. It's not yeah, it's not that bad. And I have my fingerprints inside the armrest every single time, no matter what. <laughs> oh, bro, yeah. Just freaking the hell out. Where do uh so yeah, where do you fight mostly at? Is it out in Vegas? So when I was at AMI, uh, we had, luckily for me, the number one amateur organization in the world was here in Vegas. So all of my amateur fights, except for my very last one, were here in Vegas. Uh, we used to go to a town up north called Mesquite, Nevada, and then they had them there. And then my last fight went to Salt Lake City, and I won a separate title in another organization. That's kind of big in the Midwest. So they're like Utah, Idaho, Montana. And then now going pro, it's kind of been like all over. But luckily for me, the number one amateur organization in the world, Tough Enough, just started pro organization here in Vegas as well. So my last fight was supposed to be in Vegas. And then this fight, February 2nd, is supposed to be in Vegas. And what is like the the major leagues for y'all? Like the UFC or MMA? Yeah. So the main major league is the UFC. Like that's what like household name everyone knows. But there's actually big organizations over in Southeast Asia. 
So one FC might be bigger than UFC in, in terms of like viewership, but here in the States, like we all know UFC one is trying to break the market over here. And uh, there's also other competitors coming up. So you had Bellator and PFL and those just combined as well. And PFL actually pays very, very well. And their athletes are like starting to become stacked. So that would be another option. They, they're going to try to compete with the UFC. My, my like prediction is the UFC will stay on top. PFL will be right underneath, you know, because we're used to in mainstream sports, we used to like NFL, there's no other league, it's NFL, mm -hmm. there's NBA, you know, yeah, with yeah. fighting, you know, there's so many organizations, um, but I think UFC will stay on top, PFL will try to rival them, 1FC will probably never crack our market, but then there's some cool Japanese organizations too, for people who are like really, really into it, um, Pride was an old organization, and then now Ryzen is kind of like the resurrection of Pride, and that's actually where I'm not even lying to you anymore. Like, as I get older, I have huge UFC dreams, but I want to go fight in Japan. Like, they, they just treat you very different over there. I mean, yeah, I, I couldn't imagine they're uh, as money-hungry as America. Yeah, they pay a little bit different. I mean, UFC, you're going to get paid the most inside the UFC, and then PFL is pretty close, too. But it's you're talking the top 1% of athletes. Like, UFC fighters... If you're in the UFC base level, you're after taxes, coaching fees, everything like that, you're not making a livable wage. You have to find ways to actually grow yourself outside of that. Yeah. And that's truly what got me started in the business outside of that. And luckily, I mean, my story's cool. And like we said, we don't have to get too deep into it. But I got lucky, found a project that helped me. I provided to other people. Like I got a very clean source, get affordable pricing. Like it's cool, it's a Cinderella story, but all that came from the fact when I realized, like, whoa, I'm not gonna have any money fighting. And like, how can I provide for my family? Like, this is insane. Where does all the money go? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. So UFC for sure pockets like a ton of it. They do a good job of reinvesting, um, but they just sold their company for like four billion. And I can only name like maybe five to ten fighters, you know, of the whole entire roster who are making like a million dollars a year fighting. So Whoa. it's pretty wild. Yeah, they reinvest a ton of it, but it doesn't go to the fighters. It's actually something I'm, I'm quite upset with. Um, but I think there's a little bit of greed in there. I think it's just a little bit of like maybe not understanding the business side of it things as much because it's super easy to sit back and like tear apart a business from the outside. Like people do it to me all the time. And I'm like, all right, cool. But like you don't understand like who needs paid, like where the money's going, like how much shit actually costs, you know? Um, and like Nolan, like I was just on his pod, like he dropped his glass product. People ripped him. They're like, oh, it's $2 on Alibaba. I'm like, you ever tried to ship glass from China? Do you know how much, like how expensive that is? Do you know how expensive like custom corks are? Like, promise you that guy didn't make money you know but everybody like likes to sit back and be like oh they like do the the little math on the outside and think they understand the business better than the people are running the business so i'm not going to say yeah. i understand the fight business more in the ufc but i will say that coming from a fighter's perspective it's probably bullshit like <laughs> fighters should be paid a little bit better shit though if i could make like say a quarter mil a year in japan mm -hmm. or the philippines or something i yeah. wouldn't mind you that bro you wouldn't even make that either. The cool thing about Japan, I don't want to like dox them, but uh, they're a uh, Yakuza money. So it's a lot of uh -oh. cash getting thrown around and it's a lot of like figure out how to get it home on your own terms. Like, you know, so they're kind of <laughs> dodging the taxes there. Like that's the good old story. So it's like, you know, you might make 30K a fight down there, but you got to get in good with them. You got to stay good. But making a livable wage is it's really, truly up to you as a fighter to understand the fight dynamics, your prize fighting. You're probably not going to make any money. Treat yourself as a brand and don't treat yourself as an employee to the fight organization. Treat yourself as a you're using their platform to promote your own brand. And that's the best thing you can do, because then they'll put you in a business mindset and then you'll put the responsibility back on your shoulders and you'll find a way to monetize outside of, oh, I just need my boss to pay me money when that's not the case. They're not going to take care of you. Yeah, no, I, <clears throat> I was just talking to my brother about how 
uh, Sean O'Malley seems to be one of the first ones to start doing this. That's the it, one who changed it for me. So my yeah. story is I was out in Australia training with Volkanovski. And I don't want to dox Volk because Volk's paid for it now finally. But his first title fight, compared to what Sean O'Malley was making, uh, kind of like shook me to the core a bit. And I remember having this call with my girlfriend like, dude, I don't even know if I want to do this anymore. It was like my first shining light of like seeing how the sausage is made in the factory, seeing the bullshit of fighting. I was like, dude, this guy like came up the hardest way ever, had the craziest strength of schedule becoming a champion. And like, what are they paying him to fight Max Holloway? Like, that's it. And then Sean O'Malley's rolling around in a Lamborghini and he's not even fighting top 15 guys. And I was like, oh shit, this isn't boss employee. This is mm. partnership and they're going to milk you and you need to milk them and find ways to, you know, use whatever they're giving you. Like you're, if you attach your name to the UFC, that's, that's huge marketing capabilities as long as you know how to work that, you know what I mean? Right. So they're not going to do the work for you. You have to do it. But yeah, Sean O'Malley was the first one for me, like a big Sean fan. Seems like, yeah, the exposure is worth more than the money if you know yeah, how to and use guys it. And guys don't understand that. They just, like, I don't, I, you know, fighting is, like, it attracts a lot of people. Like, they're probably just going to be fighters, you know? We were actually, me and my coach we were talking about this today. We were like, dang, like, a lot of guys are going to chase this dream until they're 35, and then they're going to go back into the real world and not have any skills. And, like, if they didn't make a dime, they have nothing to show for it. And, like, it's kind of sad in that regard. But you know, it's a, it's the way of the land, you know, it's just, it is what it is. And I could sit there and complain about it and sit on the game board and sit on the sidelines, not do anything. Or I could play the game a little bit, exactly like how they want me and like get the most out of it. And then just try to spread awareness. So other guys can do the same. Yeah. Like you got to work with what you got, you know, but like, cause with fighting, right? Like that's pretty much all that you do working up the ladder, so to speak. Like it's, you're not getting an MBA in college and doing professional fighting at the same time. Wouldn't that be nice? No, I worked full time my whole fight career. It sucked, dude. Even growing my second business, like a lot of people are like, remember these as the good old days. I'm in the good old days now. I don't consider when I was growing the business, the good old days. I swear on my life because I was waking up, rushing out to work. I was like, sometimes I wouldn't even eat in the morning, which sucked. I would go pull cable for six, seven hours a day, do IT work. And then I come home, start working on the business. I did, I wore every hat in it. And then I go train, rush back home so I could get my orders for film and take them to the post office. It was like, it sucked, dude. And most fighters live like that. Most fighters either have a job or if they don't have a job, they're sleeping on a couch and training twice a day and waiting for the breakthrough. And like I said, early level UFC, you're not getting paid. So they're, most fighters are dead broke, dude. It is a, it's a, it's a sport more on principle than results. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's one of the very few like that too. I don't know. Mm -hmm. though. Like I can only, I know a little bit about baseball and like in the minor leagues, you don't make any money. Well, bro. and I guess that that similarity of getting out and having to do more it's it's very or that's that's what happens in in hockey a lot they mm -hmm. they have people helping you get out what's Kanye's doing something with Antonio Brown to help football players get out and use their name oh thank god bro good yeah which is so good dude i'm all for it but it's like Bro, they're making they're making six figures sitting on a bench, you know. If you're yeah, you're, you're yeah. not even on the bench and fight, you're fighting, you know, you're you're putting your life on the line and you're making five figures. And if you get a bonus, thank the lords, but you gotta pay taxes on it too, you know. So it's like they need programs Ooh. for fighters too, like a lot of them. Yeah. Wow. I'd be going yeah. to like buy or somewhere, no taxes, bro. Holy crap. Uh, dude, that's what a lot of people do. Like they just try to find ways to figure it out. But yeah, it's a rough sport, but I mean, I'm not going to complain. I love it. It's given me everything that I've gotten. And like, you know, you either go for results or principle, but sometimes when you live a life based on principle, you get a lot of like bonus things. They're like hidden treasures that you weren't expecting that could carry you even farther. So, 
Yeah, and just to uh, back you up on this, for for those listening, he does live this way. Well, it was probably two, three months ago. I ordered methylene blue, mm-hmm. and I I just asked you if you knew any like anyone that got benefit from it from using it to solve Parkinson's or cure Parkinson's because I had a buddy at work who needed it. And my boy Vance sent me an extra bottle for him. He didn't, uh, I think I, I think I scared him because I was like, dude, you like, you have to try this. You have to do it. So he went home and researched everything. I don't know if he, how deep he researched, but he didn't want to use it. And, um, and now that has been passed down to another 18 year old, uh, just trying to, figure out what life is and when i told him about methylene blue he was like dude what are you talking about just another another kid i introduced to the the money twitter esoteric health stuff so it did it passed on to him but it was when you when you did that it it opened my eyes that this wasn't just a a company it wasn't just a company it's it's more than just a company the dude's doing it I mean, me and Kevin were watching your fight. You got, yeah, your eye was a little, little messed oh, up. That's <laughs> awful. Got the shit kicked out of me, bro. He popped for steroids right after that dirty bastard too. So it is what it is. But we watched oh, one look man. like you were gonna kick this guy's head six yards into a field goal post, bro. But oh, like when he was on his off. knees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I got my face shattered right after. So I dropped him. He's on it. I was about to fucking punt him, dude. I was like, ah. And then I rushed the overhand. I rushed a check hook and he overhanded me. Boom! I just remember like I don't remember getting hit. Obviously, like I skipped a frame. I didn't go out, but I just remember I was there. I was like, "What the fuck?" I was like, "And then he was gone." Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, my face is different. Like I can feel my face. Like I dislocated my hand. uh, Like I exchanged before that, and my thumb was out. And like you don't feel the pain, but you're like, "Oh, my thumb's broken. Like you can feel it. Like being different. You know, it doesn't hurt." But I remember that I was like, "Oh shit, my face is different." And then. Oh, it was like 25 just fucking hard shots and my head's bouncing the canvas. I was like, all right, like I'm just Yo. taking this ass whooping. How come you didn't kick him in the head though? Like so you can't kick the down opponent. So I could have. I would have been on ESPN because oh. I'm telling you, like you said, field goal. Like I was going for a world record like kick, right? I was gonna punt the fuck yeah. out of him. And like yeah, his yeah. knee was just down. I rushed it. If I would have just waited a second, wait for him to come up, I would have head kicked, and then he probably would have got his hands up and I was gonna go left straight. Like I had it all worked out and then <laughs> he didn't come up so i had to pull it last second no i'm pat myself on the back because like you're in the middle of exchange he just elbowed me hard i got pissed i hit him with a left hand dislocated my thumb and i remember being like i'm gonna fucking hurt you and then i'm like oh i can't kick you there so oh i shouldn't just punch your head yeah. into this it looked like randy orton where they had that movie fucking punt the dude's head off bro yeah after i found out he popped for roy's that's what, before i was like you know whatever it is what it is like i'm really good about eating the loss but after I found out he popped and like he fought me in hands, I'm just kind of like, I should have just fucking punted him a little. Yeah, cheer. what kind of um, like what kind of roids does? Because he doesn't, you know, the normal people see think roids and are thinking like 250 Barry, pounds. Very bonds, bro. Yeah, yeah, just a massive dude. I mean, this guy's not massive. What yeah. what does that change about the fighter? Like, because to me also, if I was mm-hmm. coordinating, if I was the promoter. My league would be everybody can use any steroids. Oh, I'd Amen, bro. I'd just I'm fucking go. Like, and I'm I think bored. I think people would love it. I think pe- like the viewer would love to see just two dudes jacked up on roids 
trying to kill each other. Baseball <laughs> would be way better, that. bro. Shit. I would love it. So I don't know exactly what he popped for. I know he had uh, extremely high testosterone, I believe. So all those compounds like um, Ostrom, I think is one. I think it's a SARM. I don't even know if I pronounced that right. Osh- it sounds like ostrich. That's the only way I remember it. But that'll increase, yeah. yeah, that'll increase bone density, I believe, and then increases like overall strength without making you massive, ma- without making you big. So that's perfect for fighting because we have weight classes. So I noticed it, and I didn't say anything to my guys because I didn't want to like get my face shattered and be like, oh, I think he was on roids. Like I hate the excuse game. You can't have excuses in this game because like you know it's like it's high speed problem solving, dire physical consequences. An excuse just plants a seed for you to open the door for you to get your ass whooped again, and then rely on excuses rather than results. But wow. I remember the fight before us, he knocked a guy out in seven seconds in bare knuckle. And I was looking at him, I was like, ooh, like, because we watched all those fights before. And then the last fight, I was like, yeah, he's a little thick. And then we weighed in. He was skinny, obviously, at weigh-ins. But when we got back in the cage, I was like, damn, he filled out. I was like, he looks a little different. His skin's a little shinier. His forehead skin looks a little bit thicker, which is like a key sign of high DHT, which is one of the reasons why you get male pattern baldness, because the skin gets so thick, kind of fucks up the blood flow. It's a theory, at least. But then... He also looked like, a, he looked just dense. So when you get like super physical, physiological levels of like growth hormone or testosterone, any of those things, or androgen receptor density, you know, like you're going to carry one more force production too. You're going to be thicker, like your bone density will actually go up. And so, yeah, when he cracked me, I remember just being like, damn, like I've been hit before, but that was so different, you know, and he doesn't like, he's never thrown that hard before. Like he throws, but that was just insane. And then uh, afterwards, I was like, man, I think he was on it, but I didn't say anything. I think I mentioned it one little time to my teammate, and I, like, regretted it and was like, man, shut up, like, in my own head. And then when he, I found out he popped after, I was just like, yeah, I fucking, that makes a lot of sense. And actually, it was cool to hear it because I was like, you know, you go through this mental roller coaster when you yeah. lose. You're like, I'm the worst. I fucking suck. <laughs> I'm not cut out for this. You know, these guys are doing this to me. What the hell? Like, obviously, I'm not letting that come in. I'm I'm tackling that with, like, positive, conscious, like, mental thoughts. And, like, I got over it like that. And it was cool because that was the best way is, like, I tackled all those negative thoughts, got back to, like, hey, I got this. I'm good enough. Like, I'm I'm meant for this. And then to find that out, I was like, oh, fucking, of course. Like, yeah, we're right back on track. Let's go. Yeah, I've but it was heard, a good like, lesson for me. When a guy looks a lot heavier than he is, mm-hmm. like when he's at 135, but he looks like he's 165, that's like a telltale sign. Yeah, the big one's the shoulders, dude, the shoulders. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as, uh, like, you take anything track. like that, the androgen receptor density in the shoulders are massive, so they hyper-respond. So, like, look at all the Dagestani guys, dude. All of them fucking sculpted shoulders huge heads it's like oh okay like growth hormone like i don't know i'm shooting from the hip here but we could bet money on it and like do some <laughs> proper testing and uh we'll see but yeah hey, I'm, hey, that's, leave like, my boy hasbula out of this thing. Yo. <laughs> so, yeah i've heard like with growth hormone everything grows but like your eyes are some weird shit bro yeah i mean any soft tissue everything will grow but the cool thing about growth hormone too is like it heals your brain so it's like Man, like the peptides, the crackdown peptides is big right now. I'm a huge peptide advocate, actually. So BPC-157 is banned, but it's mostly a healing peptide. There's not a lot of like performance enhancing capabilities of it. And I'll go on record and tell people all day long, I took a banned substance. Like I took BPC when I tore my knee, when I tore my shoulder, when I get a concussion, I take BPC. Like I don't care because it comes to a point where it's like, you know, sometimes the guys making the rules don't fully comprehend the rules they're making. And I'm not going to like allow my brain to deteriorate because in a sport where I'm doing this for entertainment, because these guys don't understand what BPC 157 is. So peptides will actually modulate your growth hormone and upregulate it, but it's all bottlenecked by your pituitary gland. So you can never get like a 3000% increase of growth hormone. You could just make your levels mm. kind of steady 
for throughout the day almost near 100 percent rather than if you have a hard training session they dip you know you didn't get a good night's sleep your growth hormone dips you're not recovering right there's all these different factors so peptides are a huge one for me i think should be allowed at least you know sure, i alone. got some right here actually it's what is that bpc 157 mixed with tb 500 yep tb nasal spray wolverine yep wolverine bro. hearing bro good stuff really yeah so i uh tb 500 cjc 1295 ipermorelin morellin. those ones over there we talk about it live on Twitter all the time. Uh, the boys will say CJC, TB, and Ipermelon more kind of still natty, but Testamerelin's not. <laughs> I, those are the ones where I'm kind of like, ah, I don't want to do any performance enhancer. So, but I'll, I'll go on record. Like I've taken CJC and Ipermelon, like maybe a couple hundred micrograms just to try it. I, I don't know. Maybe it would take like six months to feel a difference. I didn't feel any different. I actually just started on injectable L-carnitine, which is completely mm. legal. It's just amino acid. And dude, you want to talk about a sense of well-being, like mental well-being. And I know like this is where I was kind of going with it, bringing it back to like the mental yeah. health space. But dude, you you put carnitine in your thigh and you're like, oh, yeah, brother, <laughs> like you feel good. I was like, damn. So I've gotten more out of that than anything else for like an overall sense of well-being. But all these things, the pharmacological approach with uh, steroids, performance enhancers and everything. My guy on Twitter, Trend Poppy, he's like uh, he's a good friend. He'll tell you firsthand, like those will raise your overall sense of well-being. And so then you have to look at the mental health space. Like it's not one or the other for sure. But if you're doing everything right, you have positive self-talk, you're doing all these things perfectly and you still feel fucking down and like something wrong, like then maybe take a pharmacological approach. Not saying do steroids, but look at your markers, see if you're deficient in something. You know, there's certain things like even magnesium deficiencies that can cause mm -hmm. like, you know, lowered mental health states. It's insane. Yeah. That shit is yeah, huge. my mom went through a little sprint of, of something where she finally found out she was anemic, low iron. Mm -hmm. She's like, I haven't been sleeping. I haven't like I, I work 12 hours, don't feel anything. Yep. So I, she does she does her daily thing. She's fine, but it's <clears throat> I mean, it's it's a lot harder, and that's a mental health thing too, is it's a lot harder to think about how biologically your body is moving. Like you were saying yep. now that, that clip you had people study 10 years on something and then 10 years on another never study their body mm -hmm. you'll spend your whole life in your body but you never study it that's one yeah, of the I'm things saying you'll become an expert like everyone will will strive to become an expert in something and the amount of people who strive to become an expert at their own body like is is very low which is just funny to me because out of everything you should be an expert in, it's probably the vehicle you're in every single fucking day maybe <laughs> yo <laughs> literally dude it's yeah. like like, cause you can get a blood test for less than $200. It'll test for every marker that you pretty much need. Like exactly. I got my test measured and it was like 450 natural. So I tried, yep. um, HCG for a month. Ooh, yep. And it didn't raise it at all. So it might've been bunk. Um, oh, okay. But, but it could, it could raise other things too. Cause that could, you know, it's not, that's, it's not like a to B it's like with, with anything biochemistry, it's like a to a through Z, you know? So like, maybe you like upregulated B and you know, there's so many yeah. things. And then when you upregulate testosterone and your receptors are full, maybe, you know, your sex binding hormone, all there's so many fucking things, you know, it's hard to know. Yeah. But like, um, did you, did you not go to college for this? What? <laughs> do I look like I went to college? <laughs> they don't teach this in college, bro. Dude, I, I just went to <laughs> It's so much I harder to, to understand. I didn't go to college, but oh, not okay. for this. Yeah, not yeah. for this. I no, it's so much harder it. to understand, dude. I just took a biology class online, and if I were just able to read my own studies, if they gave me a question and said, "Go find a study and oh my God. argue your point," it would be mm -hmm. way easier than following the book like they told me. 
Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's yeah, a lot of the a lot of the stuff you're talking about. Like I I learn about El Carnitine or what? Yeah, El Carnitine and in, in that and all. I mean, great course, but the um the benefits of searching and doing your own studying outweigh college by a million. Anything well, college- I learned that was that was good for, <laughs> that <laughs> I could use in real life, I studied on my own. Yo. Yeah, well- Go ahead. Sorry, I don't want to cut no, you off. Like Twitter is just so far ahead. Like they're way ahead of the curve. My wife's um, a nurse at a hospital over here, mm-hmm. and she gets more of her health advice from me because I know what actually works. Like you're in a hospital, the food sucks, you get no sunlight, you're not getting any magnesium. Like no wonder people are sick in there. Yep. Well, what I did in college and high school, I was a, I was a big math guy. I tested really high in math a lot this of years in a row. Right and one of the thing I do is uh, I would always, I just work problems backwards. So I'd plug and chug the answers and then work out the formula. I feel like Twitter is kind of that approach where you go to college, you're going to learn how to solve the equation. You're going to learn equation and everything. But Twitter, you start from the end product. You know what I mean? Like either the problem or the answer, whatever it may be. And then you start backwards working. And that's what I did. I mean, I got my face shattered, took methylene blue, fucking healed my concussion. Then I started, why? So I had the answer. I had the problem. You know, the problem was there. I had no idea what the hell the equation was. I had the answer and I started working through why. And then that leads you down this road. So instead of me learning about like mitochondria and cellular respiration and FADH, you know, NADH and FADH2 and all these things like that going into the electron transport chain, I learned the answer first and how those actually helped get me to the answer. And for me, that was an easier way of learning. You know, it was easier than if you would have just told me like just fucking four letter like acronyms for deep biological processes. I wouldn't know what the hell like ETC, like electron transport chain. You're just telling me blabber. Dude, but you, I can anchor it yo, now to like, oh, God. what happened to me? That's way yeah. easier. Yeah, exactly. Because everything you just said, those were the that FDH, all that, all that shit, NDH, all that yep. shit. I, I, that's what I, I learned. But I never had to use it. You you had to apply it. You used it, and it. I mean, it, it changes how much you you uh, remember for sure. Like shit, yeah. real quick though. Have you ever uh, tried PT one four one? It's a peptide. No, I think a new bro was talking about it. I think it's a mental one, but I'm not too sure. It's like um, it's like a sexual enhancement thing. Oh, never mind. No, I take yeah. Cialis, but not that. <laughs> yeah, no. It, with Cialis though, chef's kiss. Chef's um, kiss. It works on your nervous system. So Got um, it. I was just kind of curious, but like, I don't know why people are so like, they don't go for peptides. Like they just stick to the old fashioned way that doesn't really work that like the food pyramid or something, you know, like, yeah, I'm going like to take barrier. a huge, huge, massive step back. Okay. Go and on. I'm going to relate it to literally evolution. And I'm going to say, we were chimpanzees maybe at one point in time. If not, we can we can say we're similar to them, whatever. But it's the chimp mind, I always call it. And what that was like, we come from small tribes. And what happened if you were in a small tribe and you're the one dude in there and you're like, fucking sunscreen's bad. Boom, you're 86 because we're social creatures. Your survivability relied on your social cues. And if you were the one chimp in the group that didn't fit in, like go watch Chimp Empire on Netflix, dude, that you got thrown out and you died. That was that, dude, because you need to fit in with your tribe. And so that's what happens nowadays, too. We still have that chimp brain. We're wired for survival, not success. And, like, unfortunately, like, nowadays, the ones who can turn that off and wire themselves for success are going to do really well. But, like, we all have that survivable, like, mentality. So we all want to fit in. We all want to listen to the status quo. You know, we all want to go with, like, what's in. 
And some of us do it the opposite way. Some of us listen to it on Twitter and you'll see guys who go nuts on it. Like they over-optimize and they live in that principle rather than the results, you know what I mean? And they'll sit out in the sun for 12 hours a day and not take anything else into account because they're like, oh, this is good for me now because, you know, I heard like four people on Twitter that I align with say it. And there's so many things like that. So when it comes to like peptides, these are new things. Um, if you are just kind of listening like, oh, you don't understand it, you want to be safe than sorry, you're always going to go with the status quo too. And on top of that, like sometimes people just want to fit in. So they they put their whole ideology between political, between health and all that in one bundle to fit in with a certain group. Oh my God. Like every yeah. Thanksgiving, there's an argument and it's always like me versus everyone else, you know? <laughs> yeah. My family knows better now. They just shut up. Yeah. I'm like, you want to fucking do this? Yeah. 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 I own <laughs> We're like sitting at Christmas and someone mentions my hair and they're like, here he goes again with the eggs. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Way to get him started. Like, yeah. it takes a lot. No, my family's actually cool. The coolest day for me was when my dad tried methylene blue because he was like, you're fucking full of shit. Da, da, da. And I just kept like hammering him with a like study, study, study. And then I stopped caring, you know, but that's what taught me the uh, light bulb, lighthouse tugboat analogy. And it's like be a lighthouse, not a tugboat. So it's like, if you look at, I mean, even the way I talk now from like three years ago, if you listen to me and like how I can articulate my thoughts and, and communicate with people and what I've done, it's like, you're going to start to listen a little bit better. So it's kind of like the best way to convince anyone is just be successful. Like how else can you go about it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's all I could think of too. Cause it, me telling my, my family eggs are better than their shampoo isn't going to work. But when they see this beautiful hair I got. Exactly. Now we're talking. And that's eggs, bro. Like not even talking like testosterone or peptides or something. Yeah, dude. It's yeah. as simple as that. But it's uh it's hard it's hard being the outcast. I, I um growing up and then even recently, my parents always told me for anyone listening, it's I would come home and be like, Yeah, well, this guy at school did it, and this guy did it, and this guy at work fucks off, so I'm gonna, you know, do whatever I want. Yeah. I came home one time from work, dude. It was probably like six months ago and i said someone else did something so i don't care yep I'm like trevor how many times do i have to tell you quit worrying about everyone else and what they're doing what they're doing isn't going to be good it's not you'll know you'll know the role model when you see them but what the average person is doing you don't want to be average you shouldn't yep. want to be average you should try to exceed that so i mean if if someone doesn't come up to me and tell me like hey methylene blues for the is good because of this study, this study, this study. If I don't hear studies, now it's like, all right, well, I don't care about your input and I don't care about what you think about my, my yep. life. You know? 100%, yeah. yeah. And that, but that, there's so many sides of the coin because like, oh, I mean, shout out to Solbra. Solbra was the first guy because I lived in like a very, I was getting my information from like nutritionists only. Mm -hmm. And I lived in a very has to be backed by study. Like I would call it the Huberman approach. Like everything has to be researched and studied. And then Soul Bra was kind of like, eh, fuck that, mate. Rosemary, you put it in your <laughs> lip and you feel a zing. And I was like, fuck yeah, dude. Like he don't give a shit. He doesn't need proof. He does shit and it works for you. But I realized right. like there's this level of knowing yourself that you have to have and you have to put in the work to do that to understand stuff. Like I like I know when I put something in my body, I can feel it because I'm super into my body, but I've done like crazy weight cuts. I've done weight gains. You know, I've been focusing on intuitive eating for like 10 years. So I know my body. I know when something goes off and like, I feel bad. Whereas like other people don't really have that intuition. Hold on one second. Very sorry. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. I'm a trial and error guy though, personally. Like I'll try just about anything. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's good. Cause you're learning the practical approach. Yeah. Like worse, like I'm not going to die. Worst case I get sick for a few days. Right. Well, you, could, like, you, 
no, like sorry, Shilogy, you could fuck yourself up bad. You know, I've done, <laughs> yeah. it. I've done yeah. it bad. I did it with vitamin D. I macro dose vitamin D because I heard someone talk about it on Joe Rogan and I was doing 30,000 IUs a day. And next thing I know, my knee tore. And I'm like, what the hell? My calcium was high in my blood work. I'm like, what's going on here? It's like, oh, high amounts of vitamin D without vitamin K and you're going to displace like calcium in the wrong places. Like, oh, I literally like calcified myself and everything got tough and it was easier to get injured. I had no idea, dude. So you got to do that though. But if you don't put in the work like that and really like truly get in tune with your body and the easiest way to do that is take away everything, give your body only the bare necessities and add like one thing at a time. And then you'll see what caffeine really does, you know? And like, for me, like a big one is like nicotine. Like I play around with nicotine. That's why I take the Cialis to counteract. Hell the, yeah, dude. Yeah. No. And every time I come off nicotine it's three days later, bro, I become the, the grumpiest guy in the world. And there's no way I could have figured out it was the nicotine if I didn't know my body because like, Three days later, I don't have a craving for nicotine, but yeah, I'm in this bad fucking mood. I'm like, what it's the hell is it? And it's like, took two or three times of coming off nicotine. I'm like, oh shit, it's nicotine. Like, this is why I get grumpy. I'm like currently day three off nicotine right now. So I'm right fucking, no, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> no, bro, I'm ready to fight, fruit. dude. <laughs> I ran out of these pouches one day and I picked my wife up from work and we went to the gas station. I'm like, she was telling me about a story that happened that day. I'm like, I'm not trying to hear it right now. Like, yeah, I didn't dude, want to tell like, her to shut up, but like, holy crap. Bro, I threw a fit because like my bag dropped like off the rack while I was like, I put my bag on the rack. I was putting my gloves out because I have like a little drying station so I don't get staffed and my bag fell. I was like, fucking, why does this always happen to me? And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck was that? Like, and I was Literally. like, and that's why I had a moment. I was like, oh, I have a nicotine today. I was like, is it that? And then sure enough, next time it happened again, I was like, oh man, it's nicotine. So, but there's this level of knowing yourself you have to have to have that intuition. And the problem is most people don't have that intuition. Most people, and this is what we were talking about, the pharmacological approach to mental health. Most people don't know what their baseline is. Most people don't know they feel like shit because they don't know their body. So they're going through life every day. Imagine like if your gut was fucked up every day or you just had low energy every day and like, yeah, you're wondering why you're fucking depressed. You could do everything you want every single day. But if you've got a 15 pound weighted blanket on your energy system and you're running on low power mode, like in the iPhone and you're like, damn, like, I'm sad today and it's because this, this, and this, like, granted, dude, past experience, trauma, all that shit will happen. But if your body feels good, you can always handle that shit a lot better. Or so like you, you get your testosterone checked and it's at 250 Yeah, and it's in the normal range. So you're like, oh, that's not a problem. Yeah, you have the testosterone of a spade cat and you got bullshit coming at you and you're trying to take over the world and you're wondering why you fucking feel down. And it's like, yeah, like, dude, granted, I'm not, I'm never going to tell people like it's not their past life and stuff, but I'm probably going to be the one to lean on and say, hey, like quit. Like, it's good to address trauma. It's good to understand it. It's good to process it and be aware of it. But I mean, dude, I, I'm just going to say, we all know someone's like, oh, I do this because of trauma. And it's like, then shut the fuck up and stop doing that then. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there comes a time point in time where you got to take accountability and like responsibility for your actions and like change it awareness is only one part that's not you didn't do the work now now you got to go do the other work and so like some people are like oh i'm just i'm sad and like they they get down themselves like all right do the work for sure like go through the mental processes you need to make your mind strong but if you feel like shit in the other end you're not taking care of your body you're drinking fucking soda you never see the sun yeah you're gonna fucking feel sad i don't know what to tell you like we live in Man, a world where dude, there's consequences i could have i'm so glad you're here because i could have yeah. used you about three years ago to just tell me that snippet because I I grew up I had a nice upbringing dude. I didn't really have any any major problems. I had a roof over my head. It was we were eating, you know, it wasn't mm -hmm. the most luxurious. We were just middle class, you know, lower middle <laughs> class in Chicago suburbs. So yep. I never had to deal with trauma. When I got out of the military, I was dealing with my deployments and then a divorce where betrayal was involved. And mm -hmm. for about 6 to 8 months, 
I was focusing on dumbing down the whole situation. That's that's what I was focusing on. And I needed to because I never did Good. it before. Dumbing down? Kevin, like, I didn't understand the situation. How did I get here? So how did, oh. how did this happen with my situation with my wife? How did this happen in the Army? What happened in the Army? And then what did that do to me? Okay. So, it's, it's, dude, there's like five different things you could think of. So it took me a while. And for people struggling listening to this, Jordan Peterson, if you don't know who he is, I mean, you ought to. He's he's saying the average time it takes you to get over trauma is 18 months. Okay. So I heard that at like six months. I'm like, okay, I'm doing good. Eight months. Okay. I finally figured just about everything out. But then for that next, dude, probably been another six to eight months, I was in that state where I was saying to myself, like, I'm doing this because of trauma or this because of trauma. And I was oh, in that yeah. victim saying to myself that yep. this stuff happened to me. So I get to do this. Yep. And dude, it only leads down a worse rabbit hole. Cause then I move home and I'm, I'm going to the gym. I'm going like, I'm hitting the gym as hard as I ever had hitting the gym. I'm eating, I'm eating so clean, but I'm still sleeping in my bed for 10 hours. Yeah, I'm still not moving out of my room, still playing video games. And it's like, what what's what's the click here? And that that was the click I needed was, hey, yeah. OK, this happens. And finally, mm -hmm. my brother told me it happens to everybody. We just all have to deal with it. So I'm like, OK, so it's not just happening to me. What do I have to do now to change? And that was the change. And I'm I mean, I'm an advocate of marijuana and I finally dumbed yeah. it down onto onto why I'm a very emotional person. Anything like. Oh, I used dude. to cry at hockey games, bro. dude. If we lost, dude, and it wasn't my fault, it was my team's fault, I would get so frustrated that like, I would cry. I'd be ready to mm -hmm. go in the locker room, punch anybody's eyes out because they're not listening to me. I'm just frustrated we fucking lost. Yeah, I would get so frustrated. And all growing up, I was just so emotional. Weed helps me think about it emotionless. That's why it's a, it's a scary slope because you get, oh, finally all my emotions are gone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I you like numbed this up, and you want to fucking smoke every day. So that's yeah. a slippery slope, but it, you have to, you have to address the situation where it's, yeah, you're thinking about it, but it's not affecting you as much as it could. And yeah. too, like real quick though, real quick, like one thing people don't really talk about is like when you know someone that's going through that, like Trevor was my best friend, still is, but when that was happening, it's like, well, how do I help him? You know, like, yep, I can't just say, you know, get better or quit being a pussy, deal with it. Yeah. You know, and that's it. So I'm a backpedal and do the other side of the coin here is like, I'm very empathetic. And like, like you said, you guys are veterans. Fuck, dude, like that, like look at PTSD rates. Okay. I'll, who am I to sit here and tell you guys jack shit about mental health? I'm nobody, you know, I'm just giving my two cents. And like, I just see things and I'm pattern recognizing and going like, well, I understand that maybe it's in control your actions, but maybe your actions can also control your mentality a bit, you know? So that's all I'm doing. I want to just offer the other side of the coin where it's, hey, don't just, you know, you're aware, but actually act on it and see if that makes you feel better. Because like I said, my take a big step back now. It's not what we're doing. It's why we're doing it. I want people to feel good, too. Like, I'm a huge advocate for that, too, because I've been in down places and stuff. And all I can do is relate to you what's worked for me. What's always worked for me is action over the other shit, you know. And I used to be a victim. I used to go through the trauma thing, just like you said. And then you get to a point where you're like, oh, like, but I'm not really doing anything about it. You know, it's like, cool, I'm aware of it, but that puts me in a victim mindset, you know, or a constant state of healing. How many people, you know, are just, they're always healing, 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 healing. like you're not living now. Now you're just healing. You no, know? you fall in love with that process. So I just want people to step out of that too. But like I said, I'm empathetic. I want people to fucking feel good. You know, and it's like, and at the end of the day, like you have to do your own work for yourself. You, I can only say so much. And that's what you're saying. Like when your friends are down bad, like. 
man, I have a few friends that are like really, really down bad, you know, and dude, it's honestly the best thing to do for them is like, give them your two cents, lay down like maybe a path, but don't try to fix people. Don't, don't try to fix, mm-hmm. lay down pathways for people yeah. to walk, but do not try to drag them down that pathway. It never, ever, ever, ever works. You have to let like, people walk. And it's hard, dude, because you want your people hard. to feel good. It's yeah. so fucking hard. Like when it's you so got hard. back, you were drinking a ton. I'm like, oh, I, I can't stop this. You know, like he's got to do this cycle himself, just like I did a, like, a year before that, you know? Like, yep. He's going to come out of it or he's going to die, but. I can't change the situation. <laughs> well, you can, yeah, it sucks to to acknowledge that. Like, I can't change anything. I have to watch this person honestly fail, fail when I know the answer, and that's the hardest thing to do is watch. Like anyone in my family, anyone in my family, dude. Ten years down the line, if someone has dementia in my family, I'm gonna be so upset. Yeah, like I told you about methylene blue ten years ago. Yeah, what the like? You all you had to do was listen to me, and then they'll start taking it, but. They have to reach that conclusion yourself. And I wanted to add too is yeah. when you are in that 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 flip-flopping, you're like, oh, well, now I know it's wrong. I need to take some action. The willpower you have to take action, it, it's going to cause anxiety because you're like, oh, fuck, I know this is wrong. I need to do something about it. But knowing that you need to do something about it, is on, that's like the first, you can applause yourself right there. You can sit mm-hmm. back and say, all right, I know I have to fix this because mm-hmm. – it's it's kind of a downhill battle from there because you you'll never feel like it's fixed. You'll yeah. never feel like you've done enough of a job and you're just always fighting yourself. But if you could tell yourself, okay, at least I know this is a problem and I'm working towards the end goal. That's how you dig yourself out of the hole. Yeah, in my, exactly. In, in my opinion. And like accepting like you people do dumb shit. Like we all have regrets, like things we wish we could change, but yeah. like you can't hate yourself, you know. Yep. Mhm. A hundred percent. It comes back to that. Like we're wired for survival. Like, so that's why we're really good at problem, problem recognition. So you always find a problem. You can find a problem in everything. I told my dad that dude, my dad would like argue with me about business. And he's just like, I was like, Randy, you got a problem for every solution. Like there's no matter what I tell you, you got a fucking problem with it. You play devil's advocate, you know, always. And like, that's just because we're good at that. Like we're good at pattern recognition. And like, you could do drills like that too. Like you could turn it around instead of how to be happy, go how to be sad. It'll be so much easier for you to write down a hundred ways to be sad than it would be for you to write a hundred ways to be happy. And you could go through and make the list, like how to be sad, never go outside, never work out, scroll social media. Like I could start just how to be happy. You're like, oh fuck, well, okay, get off my phone. You could work backwards like that. But the way our brains work, we're problem solvers. So start addressing problems first and then work from there. It's the same thing I talked about working backwards with methylene blue. Don't address this, you know, the other way around. Like, oh, okay, like let's learn about biology from the ground up. Like let's look at problems, figure out how to solve them. You'll learn more about biology that way than any other way. Yeah, I did find it hard though. Cause like I was, I've been married since 20 or yeah, 2015. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, no, 2015. I'm telling her, dude. May, I'm telling May her, you don't know. No, don't. I'm in trouble. I just fucking had this argument. I swear on my life. <laughs> my girlfriend started dating at like 2 a.m. and it always fucks me up. I was like, was it the day before, day after? Lord. Oh, but like, I had obviously never been divorced. So it was hard for me to be empathetic to a, a situation that I had never like experienced. But Correct. I realized like, it's okay. I can still be empathetic even though I've never been there, you know? Yes. Like recognize that I don't know what it's like, but still be there for you. Yeah. And and I check myself on that too, because like, yeah, there's like, it's like, I want people to be mentally strong, but I have to remember too, like I've been through other shit that has made me maybe possibly more mentally strong than other people, you know, like a decade of fighting at highest level that I could. 
weight cutting being strict as can be you know like that that does add to the fact that like my mentality is going to be a little bit stronger not everyone's a professional fighter but with that it doesn't mean like i can't look at someone who's like upset because they're fucking they had a bad day at work and maybe like you just need to be tougher fucking who's gonna carry the boats like that shit doesn't work you gotta like talk with them understand where they're coming from and then if you truly want to help you know that's that's a whole nother battle the, yeah. so you're saying you didn't see the uh goggins and huberman episode no i did not because that's exactly i mean you've said it twice now he's been on the same exact page where it's like yeah i could tell you everything but it doesn't matter oh who's gonna carry the boats no that's not gonna work because a guy who's sad depressed upset thinking about suicide isn't gonna be like oh yeah i gotta go carry the boats now like exactly. no, he doesn't give a shit about stop a, being poor okay good to go <laughs> yeah. why didn't i think of that you know but yeah. i did want to ask since we're talking about this the feeling if, if you were to close your eyes and, and maybe this might be a little I, I would be pissed if someone asked me to do this too if you were to close your eyes and get hit again and you, that first feeling what's the first feeling you feel when you're like finally on the ground tapped out and you know you lost today's episode sponsored by honor guard coffee i know what you're thinking another coffee brand and the answer is yes however this coffee brand is much better this coffee brand was made to support veterans with 25% of the proceeds going towards veterans, the mission of Honor Guard Coffee is simple. Pair each veteran with a service dog. On top of that, each blend is named after a service animal that actually served, including their perfect breakfast blend, Cairo, the Belgian Malinois there on the Bin Laden raid. Think of Black Rifle Coffee Company, but with more help towards veterans, a better taste, and dogs. We all love dogs, so we all love honor guard coffee am i right i'm just a regular coffee guy typically drink that garbage you get from walmart and let me tell you if you are that guy try this and you will never want to go back to walmart again <laughs> steven sent me a package it was phenomenal i had no idea coffee could taste this great so the owner steven was on our show episode 57 if you want to take a look link will be down below He's an ex-Marine who struggled through his fair share of mental health and is simply looking to make a change. We're looking to make a similar change, stop veteran suicide, and we couldn't be more proud that our mission aligns so well with our first sponsor. So for that, thank you, Honor Guard Coffee. Thank you, Stephen. And if you are looking to purchase, first, thank you. And the description will include the link to buy. Now, back to the podcast. Oh man, so that fight, I remember I went, all right, so first time I'm sitting there and like, I remember looking up and the first thing I thought was like, oh wow, I'm fucked up because like the, the whole cage was spinning like this. Holy shit. shit. And then I was just like, wow. Like I was kind of in disbelief. I was like that because it's never happened before. And I was just like, first thought was damn like that. Those like negative thoughts actually happened. Holy shit. Like that was like. Mm. I couldn't believe this is actually happening, kind of disbelief. Like, like you wow. knew that you had lost at that point. Yeah, yeah, like I was oh. accepting defeat. And then the second fucking thought that came in was, that wasn't that bad. <laughs> like, I swear <laughs> mind, like, it was like, oh shit, this is what I was like, the scariest thought I've ever had, me getting my ass beat in front of my family on my pro debut, starting out 0-1. And, and then the second thought was like, oh, it wasn't even that bad. It was a pretty good ass whooping, but, like, it doesn't hurt right now. Like, my adrenaline's going. Like, I've always wondered what it'd be like get my face shattered in a fight and then eat 20 blows after. I see guys who have gone through that. I'm like, damn, what's that like? And then it happened to me. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, it's not that bad. 
So I remember immediately, like, I just chipped in because, like, I feel like you do the subconscious work enough, like, it, it'll help kick in. And so immediately I was like, lose like a champion. Like, that popped right in my head. And that's because I've always told myself shit like that. Act like a champion all the time. So I popped up, went over to him. He, I didn't even know this. He was screaming at my fans, like, flipping them off. And I'm walking over. I was like, dude, good job. Like, fuck. Yeah. I was just com completely discombobulated. They they had me do an interview right in the cage as I'm fucking spinning. It was so it was just a fuck fucking terrible show. <laughs> yeah, I did notice that with fighting, like, and the two other fights we watched, y'all seem really like like y'all respect each other. Oh yeah, hundred percent respect them. Until like, you I don't find out you're a cheater, and then I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, like, like in but football, still... they're not helping each other up like y'all are. Yeah, still, yeah. dude, like. And this is the problem I found like lately is it's hard for me to turn that kill switch on all the way. So even though he shattered my face, even though he cheated, I'm like, fuck, I get it. I do get it. Odie, hey, hey, bud, I'm on a pod. Come on, my yeah, come on, no, I'm sorry, guys. I'm mean, <laughs> no, like 10 times so I'm going to calm down, but he's a puppy. But yeah, like I, I do understand it. Like, I'm sorry. I do like because I want every edge too. And like, yeah, he cheated. But like, no, 60% of fighters in the UFC, I guarantee you, are on steroids. And I'm telling you, that's me being modest because like, I know these guys are trained with them. I know what's going on behind closed mm -hmm. doors. And, like, they just do it. So I, I get it. But the other half of me is like, hey, he – uh, Calm down. I was like, hey, he did cheat and shatter my face in front of my family. Now I kind of have to fuck him up. You know what I mean? So it's like the principal oh. side of it. So can't Dude, be too empathetic. Yeah. You know no, I mean? yeah. Because then you no, give excuses. You, you do yep. – you enable, you know? So then I'm enabling that kind of behavior. It's like so – at the same time, it's like, yeah, I'm pretty upset. But I do remember, like, my biggest, like, stab in the heart. It's like, these things aren't... I'm sorry, one sec. No, you're good, bro. This is the live <laughs> shows, guys. Got to work yeah, with what we got. Uh, yeah, see, and I'm, I'm also good. not editing it for the, <laughs> for the later. No, uh, Maybe I will. Maybe I will. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Yeah. If we get around to it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. No, because... What he's saying now, dude, the being too empathetic, that's exactly what I did. People were thinking I was crazy when I was too empathetic towards my ex. Like, yeah, like, dude, he cheated on Not you. Hard. You work with, something. like, the guy works fucking right there. 50 like, feet away, yeah. bro. Yeah, like, you don't care about any of this? I'm like, yeah, I could see why she did it. <laughs> and they're like, what yeah. the fuck's your problem? I'm yeah. Like, I mean, I, I, I could see, but that, that showed me, like, that kill switch, there's – there's a fine line between being too empathetic and being empathetic enough because also in today's day and age, there's not too many people that are empathetic towards, towards or they'll treat you like you're broken. Like they'll go the opposite mm -hmm. range, you know? But yeah. I got an aunt um, that was diagnosed with breast cancer a few months ago. And I was talking to my uncle before I went over to their place for Thanksgiving. Like, does she need anything? Like what's the best way that we can do this? And he goes, just treat her like you normally would. Like she don't yes. want any special treatment. So yes, exactly. Not when I went over there, honestly. Yeah, Very I can imagine good, like getting up after a fight and people are trying to like, like baby you, coddle hey, you, bro. It's fuck okay. That, dude. <laughs> like, dude, yeah. fuck you. I'm pissed. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what they did. Like, I walked down and my sister's crying. My mom's crying. I was like, I, you know, like I was more worried about them. I was like, that's what popped in my head immediately too. Mm -hmm. Was like, win like a champ. But it was also like, hey, show everyone you're good. So that's why I popped up. Like, I, literally, that was the thought. And I, when I would talk to them, everything was cool. It was when I got alone. You know, so like my grandma's mm -hmm. funeral, I, I gave a speech. Everything was cool. As soon as I got in the back room, saw my grandma in a casket. Like, oh, that's a different ball game. When so as soon as I got in the car and I was just with my girlfriend, my best friend, his fiance, like that's when I really broke, and that's when the stab hit because I didn't have to be strong for everyone else. I could mm -hmm. chill and like actually feel my feelings, and the feeling was holy shit, dude. That sucks right there. And even then, like it was a quick stab, but that's not it. It's the it's the 
three months after where you have just this fucking wet blanket on you where you feel like shit you know that was the worst part looking back and like every day like you don't realize it but it's just that little bit away it's not the it's not the mountain that kills you it's the pebble in your shoe kind of thing you know it's the little thing that just weighs on you that kind of fucks you up big time but you got to deal with that you know like yeah. i've got a family dynamic that was like i mean it's been going on for like nine years at this point but um i just didn't like process it forever and then it just ate at me and ate at me it's like i just have to deal with this shit you know like elephant yeah. in the room it's you have yeah, to address it you know yeah and that's the pebble in the shoe it's like it's more work to take your shoe off and get that pebble is than it is pain to deal with a little pebble in your shoe but you don't realize it when you're walking you know three miles up a mountain mile two that pain is massive and then sometimes the damage is done like way too much and so we're good at like we're good at like focusing on big problems, but like not addressing the small ones like that. You know what I mean? So it's those little things that you have to tackle and you have to address. And it's like, it's like dumb shit. Like the only other analogy I'd have is like, you know, you get one plate and you put it in the sink. You're like, well, it's not enough to do the dishes. And the next thing you know, your dishes are full. And you're like, oh, why do I have to do all these plates? You know, it'd been easier to scrub it. Life's the same way with everything when it comes to emotions, your mentality, like even being a champ. Like I used to do affirmations every day. And I remember I went through a little lull and I, and I like audited myself. I was like, what's going on? I was like, damn, I, I stopped doing my affirmations because I thought I had it. Like we all want, we think we make our bed once and it stays made forever, but we're constantly, constantly, we have to clean up. You know what I mean? Like that's life. Just don't think you're ever going to get to a place of comfort and it's done. You're always working. Yeah, you're always working. You're always growing. That was, that was like the biggest misconception I had is like, Every, everyone would tell you, oh, it get, it'll get better. Like, it'll get better. It'll never be solved. It'll you have to deal with whatever you have to deal with and get stronger. You can't, mm -hmm. like, <clears throat> like, I didn't think about this stuff for a year and a half, and finally now I don't ever have to think about it again and can live my life how I want to live it. No, you're still working every single day. And I think a lot of people believe that at some point, they'll be comfortable like you're saying and that's yeah that's that's what i'm saying like the it's crazy the, the similarities without even trying to go for it between this and goggins it's like you 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 are fighting every single day about against yourself you wake up and you're fighting win the yep. fight against yourself you're fighting 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 and it doesn't ever end you you don't get a break yeah because when you take the break this is this has always been my problem with even relaxing when i take the relaxing break and everybody in the world be like well you got to take a day off do you like do you really do you? because every time i take that break i'm feeling like a piece of shit like well, yep. yeah you got to I'm, i don't think i have to i think you have to <laughs> yeah yeah actually i take more rest days i found in training camp you know because there's the principle and the results thing so right now i'm going for results okay the result is to be in shape go fight and win you know and with those results like, i got to drop principles i can't do a goggin style thing going in my fight i'll be so beat up i'll be so overtrained i'll lose guaranteed mm -hmm. but when i'm out of training camp and like, I'm sitting like, oh my God, I'm so beat up and everything. I know though, like, dude, if I go and I conquer this today, if I just conquer this today, like the amount of shit I'll have mentally, like packed inside of me, like knowing that I got this would be so great and I'll go do it, you know? So it's like, you gotta, you gotta know when to, when to like live in those two different paradigms right there. Yeah, when no to push it too far in order to get something out of it, maybe mentally and pull the Goggins and when to like, you know, just be an athlete or whatever it may be in your life mm -hmm. and like take the rest and like help yourself out too. Yeah. No one gets stronger in right the gym. Foot. Say sorry. My no bad. one gets stronger in the gym. It's going to sleep that gets it's, you stronger. Exactly. Exactly. But you know, you got to build up the mentality too. So it's yeah. like mental strength, physical strength. But that's like I said, some people go all mental strength, you know, and that's the Goggins. And some people go all Huberman. 
and they just want to optimize everything. And that's the other foot, you know, so you got left foot, right foot. Well, if you marry them together, you can run. If not, have fun hopping on one foot. Like that's mm, yeah. life is so many. There's so many cases like that, you know, over optimizing versus like just being mentally strong and everything. But like you got to find the middle path always. So I, and that's why I'm a Noah Ryan will advocate for this big time is like go on both extremes and then find the middle in there. That's the yeah. only way you can do it. I yeah, think, it's gonna take some time. You won't just wake up and be good. Just exactly. for the listeners out there, you got you got some time on your hands. Use it. Mm-hmm. That shit. Like one thing that's been helping me a lot is like I used to have a lot of anxiety with like tackling my trauma about how people would react. Like I didn't like being vulnerable in front of people, like, mm. especially my wife. I did not want to cry in front of her because like hundred percent. Oh man, you know why yeah. would I do that? <laughs> and like. When I, the first time I told her, like, I, we got to talk about my family. Like this shit's just eating me alive. Yeah. And like, of course I broke down and started crying, but she was like, I could tell that that meant a lot to her, you know, that I trusted her enough to do that. And mm. like, she respected me a lot more after it, you know? Yep. And yep. like my dad did that a few months ago. Like he told me he always kind of felt like a failure because he didn't make enough money. I'm like, you yep. were always there for me. Like you were a phenomenal dad, you know, like mm-hmm. it's that first step of being vulnerable with people. Like I've not had like a negative, like if Trevor came to me and said that he was struggling, I'm like, oh, what a pussy, dude. Like I can never imagine that happening. Yeah. See, so, and that's a, it's called ARC, right? And I learned this from a buddy who was in Scientology, actually, which is hilarious to me, uh-oh, but they have some uh-oh. good principles. Here we go. So that's why Here we successful. go. They have yeah, good principles and go. they, they'll like fucking hook you in, but it's a affinity, uh, reality communication. So you can only share an affinity with someone if you guys share reality and you guys can only share reality if you guys can share communication well. And that's what you did right there by being vulnerable with your wife. You you guys are having that communication, you know, and then you guys, whether, you know, like whether it was bad or, you know, it sucked or whatever, but like at the end of the day, you guys then shared that reality. Cause if not, you're living in a reality she doesn't even know about. You're fucking dealing with all the shit and you can't even communicate it with her. You know, if you can find a better way to communicate it, and that's also where I think most people struggle is like communicating. We all communicate yeah. pretty bad. I'm, I'm a fucking terrible communicator. I'm working on it. But when you communicate it well, and then you can just share that reality, okay? And when you guys share reality, then you can share an affinity. How can you share an affinity with someone when you're just basically living like in a whole different reality than them? It's almost impossible. No, because so I would try and happen. I would try and sugarcoat things too. And like that just didn't work. And it yeah, it lead to a fight. It even Nothing worse, get solved. And then, like one day, I just w- said what I needed to say, and I was just like laying right there, actually. Yep. Like w- seeing if she's gonna come back, you know, and like, oh, let's get red pilled on it right now. Yeah, you gotta tell them how it is. <laughs> yeah, 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 dude. No, tell that bitch I- to go get some food and come back <laughs> while you deal with this shit, dude. Oh, oh, we man. were like this close. Like you coming at me right now? <laughs> this close <laughs> to getting divorced, being married seven years, right? And mm-hmm. we were like hashing shit out for like four hours bro like i was exhausted from crying for that long bro mm-hmm. but like it was such a beneficial conversation it is dude the tough ones are um but yeah dude i was i was in the same boat as you with the sugar coating shit you know and that's why i said most people suck at communicating and i realized that is like if i had a problem or anything like sugarcoat it and like uh, but like dude you to share that reality you got to have the tough communication because like there's like your reality being different than theirs the farther it all is like different the tougher the conversation you know but do you you know not do the fucking dish and then you let it build 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 and then you have a sink full of dishes or do you do the fucking dish do the dish do the dish do the dish you know sometimes you meet people and like you know it strays because you didn't do the communication you know and that's what happens a lot of time too so yeah because she would blame me for shit like whenever i complain about anything she would kind of blame me i guess um and then i just stopped bringing shit up right but like in her mind nothing is wrong i'm just getting pissed off at her for no reason yep 
Yeah, I just go with the extreme accountability thing just because life is always better that way. If I just take extreme accountability and everything, some like sometimes they'll come like it's almost narcissistic to be like, oh, she's upset with me because I didn't word it right. You know, it's like almost sounds manipulative, but it always does come down to that. It's like you had problems with the communication. I've been I'm only talking from experience. So I'm not just saying you. I'm saying like me, too, by the way. So I'm not mm. like like saying you did anything wrong. No, just I just want to make sure I communicated <laughs> that good. <laughs> but like I've been the same thing where I'm commu- like, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to fucking say anything because it's not worth the fight. But that was me just miscommunicating that whole entire time not being able to share reality with them and then yet blew the fuck up and like we had our fucking blowouts and it's like oh shit mm-hmm. how did this happen and it was only when i audited myself i was like damn yeah we didn't have the tough talks you know yeah it's like you realize like the way things are going now is not sustainable correct yeah yeah there's a yeah exactly and you either make a change or you move apart like there's two options right there bro literally dude like yeah i'm i'm drinking some vodka on the bed like are we gonna break up we've been married seven years you know like, yeah, I didn't dude, even call Trevor, bro. I was just like, I don't know what the hell is going to happen, dude. Yeah. And dude, people live like that, too. Like, so I'll just my my own personal experience with my my ex-girlfriend is like that pebble in the shoe. I just lived with it because most people are OK with it. They're like, OK, with a little bit of discomfort and they'll just live with it forever rather than solving the problem and opening the door to like a massive amount of comfort, you know, and like just making a change. So we never addressed anything. We never changed anything. We it was me, her, her daughter that I raised and everything was cool. And most people wait for like that that big enough push to be like, ah, fucking leave, you know, or even with their job, you know, it just sucks, but it's okay. Pays the bills. Is this, and they need like, they're waiting for like their boss. to like walk and be like, you're a piece of shit. And then they get throw their like fantasy fit that they've been wanting to have walk out, quit and start a successful business, blow up and then drive by them in a Lamborghini, you know, like that's what we oh, all that man. story in our head, you know, like same thing with your girl, like, man, like, it's just, ah, oh, it sucks, but she's a good person, but, you know, it's like, well, one, you don't want to grow, and two, like, it's not enough for you to, like, maybe, or, like, maybe the situation's not good, and you leave, whatever it may be. Now, I'm advocating always for, like, grass isn't greener on the other side, learn how to water your own grass, you know, but, like, we all wait for that, but I realized that, too, after, because I got that big fantasy moment, I left, and I was like, man, like, I truly wish I would have just been man enough to see the situation for what it was, not give myself the excuses I gave and walked away earlier or, you know, whatever it worked. Because there are those times where, like, the situation, no matter what you do to change, like, you're adding fertilizer, you're adding water, you're watering less, you're giving more sunlight. Sometimes the soil fucking sucks. And, you know, it's time to move, too. And that's another thing that's tough for people to address and understand. Yeah, it's it's hard to walk away from something. But like you said at the beginning, you can't fix. You can't. Yeah. People have to fix themselves, and no matter how much you try, you simply cannot fix. You, you could do even just try it. Just go try and fix someone. Try whoever yeah. you can think of right now. Whoever is the most unhealthiest, try and send them a workout. Oh, hell. Yeah, see what the fuck happens, dude. You'll be like, exactly. damn, I just wrote that whole workout for nothing. How how do you know when a situation is like genuinely unfixable, though? That's it. That's the million dollar question. If you yeah, had it, you'd be. <laughs> Yo, yeah, it's a, I, you just got to look at everything. I, like, I feel like I take pride in taking those step backs and, and look at the whys, you know, and I just like, I hear more people talk about their success stories when they woke up one day and said enough. I don't hear too many success stories where people go, yeah, this guy saved my life. Like, yeah, they'll be like, there's few people support him, but everything always came down to, they woke up one day, they made a choice that enough was enough. And sometimes when you like, coddle people you cradle them you give them crutches like you help them up you help them get to what they're doing sometimes you soften that blow and sometimes you gotta let reality just do what reality does you know sometimes you gotta let them like eat shit you know and like hey i'm not helping you and then they grow up from it you know like i have a great uncle dude who like 
he takes care of everyone, but sometimes he enables that way. Like, how are you going to, you know, how are you going to keep paying their bills and expect them to change? You know what I mean? Yeah. It sucks, but not going to work. Like, as long as both parties are trying to fix things, Um, like there's an effort from both people. What are you thinking, Trev? The wheels are turning, bro. No, dude. If I, if I see an end goal, here's the end goal. And I'm trying to get us to that end goal, me and you. Mm-hmm. I have to put in a certain amount of work and she has to put in a certain amount of work. If I see myself as putting in more work, I'm going to already build resentment. Yeah. Like, like I already, so even if we reach this goal, it's gonna be like, well, I did it anyway. I did most of it. So if she's not equally putting in to get to this goal, I don't see why I would stay with her. It's there's no point. Like, that's this, your that's last your last situation. relationship, you know. Like, yeah, the same. That's what I was gonna say. Is the same situation with my last relationship. It's like, look, I I have the keys. I've been mm-hmm. studying for the past two years. I'm a, I'm a Twitter scholar, and I have the <laughs> I, PhD. I have, I have the keys. All you have to do is listen. So if my job is to understand information and see how we could best optimize our life, and your job is to just kind of follow along, help me out, do what you have to do to live the best you you need to live. And you're not doing that, then I'm leaving because someone is going to match the amount of work I'm doing. This that's where the grass is greener. If the work isn't I don't that's how I see it. If the work isn't there, and this is the I mean, how many times has this happened to me, Kev? The first one wasn't working site like no, if I'm the only one doing work, it's see you later. I'm sorry. I can't stick around do all this work because like you said i'm just enabling it if i'm paying that's again what i was doing i was just paying all the bills and she just gets to walk around and do whatever she wants she's never gonna just have a come to moment she's living too comfortable yeah like like, when y'all would come over i'm like bro she is loud like and kind of disrespectful with how she spoke to you and i'm like dude does she talk to him like this all the time this let's is fucking terrible. unbox this hold on now i'm getting i'm getting little <laughs> okay. glimpses in the fucking too hot to handle the reality so, shows here good. <laughs> all right man. yeah too hot to handle bro. no dude i so i met this chick and this is when i was in that that backstage of taking action in my trauma mm-hmm. post divorce this yeah post divorce and this new she she's a good girl she really is she's just kind of been led astray is what i think that's my empathy talking but i think she's been led astray a a decent amount in her life and i it was like my experiences didn't matter that's what it was like disrespectful because she didn't put as much emphasis on my experiences and what i learned as i did so it's like hey i went through this divorce we got to talk about this She's like, well, you probably should have mentioned to me that you were divorced and you t- you need to talk about this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, this is what I learned and I'm divorced because of it. So just oh, listen. Shit. To I me. don't know if you guys can hear me. I can't hear you. I'm sorry. Yeah, we got uh, you. Real quick. I'm going to try to refresh the page. I'll go. No doubt. No doubt. It's the StreamYard, dude. That's, yeah, that's the biggest problem with StreamYard. He said, let's get into this, dude. Yeah, no. Because like. All right, he's back, baby. I'm sorry about that, dude. The technical difficulties. Yeah, yeah no, we're, we're, we're catching a one-two today, dude. That's, that's all that's happening. <laughs> you you improvise, adapt, and overcome. That's yes, sir. That's what it is. Yep. Um, But yeah, I, I had all this experience from the Army, deploying, being married during that time. And then when I got home, I finally got all the trauma, moved back to Florida, and I met this girl who was nice to me. And she showed me. Because I, I was beating the fuck up, dude. I didn't know what love oh. was anymore. I yeah. And if you ask anyone who knows me, they know that Trevor like understands how to be happy and love someone. And this time, 
at this stage i wasn't yeah and she kind of helped heal that back up so i i she needed somewhere to live she was good to me i say come live with me i'll pay everything you just you clearly have some stuff you have to figure out i i'm figuring out my stuff but i have to pay my bills anyway so come in live with me i wouldn't do that again by the way i wouldn't live with someone you don't plan to marry yeah horrible idea. what were you like 22 at the time 23 no, no, no i was yeah 20 23 24 yeah 20, a perfect yeah. time to make a mistake though honestly yeah exactly exactly so i i just sent it and yeah it was it was tough because i i had all these experiences and everything i would say i mean she went to she went to college so she has a degree she's been indoctrinated yep. and everything i said was wrong everything i said it could be like Aga shampoo i'm like hey look at this and i can lay everything out and it's it's still wrong so finally, it was like, all right, how many how many new things do I got to bring up to you that are right for you to finally say, okay, maybe this guy has something to something worth listening to. To me, yeah. that was yeah. that was enough for me to just be like, look, you got to go. This this isn't gonna work out for me. It's, you don't wash <laughs> your hair them. with eggs. Get the fuck out. Yo, yeah, you, if our if our shower isn't filled with eggshells by the end of the week. <laughs> It's a packing, bro. I'm like, being facetious, but I understand. It's a respect issue at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah she would respect yeah. your work. Talk to Trevor like I could never imagine my wife talking to me like that. Like yeah. in front of people too. Like we were at that bar and she was like fighting with Trevor like loud as shit. Like you're doing this in front of people. Like that is awkward. <laughs> but, so fuck. yeah, here's yeah, and this is where the the other stuff you got to analyze your trauma, otherwise you won't understand. Because I was, I was okay in that situation. I was enabling it because that's how it was for me in my marriage. A little, yeah, a little codependency, a little bit. Right. Yeah exactly and so dude. i was like okay just fucking yell at me tomorrow we'll be all right <laughs> yeah and that's the awareness dude i'm the same way my dad was fucking hard he's an asshole and then i got an ex-girlfriend she yelled at me for everything as well and i was just like oh well if anyone could put up with it i could put up with it and it's kind of like mm -hmm. that's not the right mentality in this situation you know yeah. love <laughs> yeah. is the funny one dude because i truly believe like you got to fight tooth and nail for everything in your life but love should be easy like love should walk in your door one day but it doesn't mean you can't work at it i'm just saying like you shouldn't the baseline shouldn't be tough and on shaky soil or anything like that. It should be right. good. And then, yeah, of course, dude, everything takes work. Everything. She didn't like respect us. I think as your friends too, like, especially with me, like just a huge respect issue all around, bro. We yeah. Like when, <laughs> when, when y'all came over to my place and she was wearing those short ass shorts, like I'm talking short, bro. Yeah. Like this is not your house. What is your ass out for? Like, yeah, exactly. it's Get uncomfortable, bro. Yeah. Cause like, how am I supposed to feel? You know, like this is my house. Tell your girl yeah, being a whore, bro. Like some what? people don't also have social cues weird. Like I really tune into social cues. Like so everything I do, yeah. like every little thing, I'm kind of like I analyze them like that, you know, here and there. Sometimes a little bit too much. But that would be one where I'm like, yo, like uh nah, not okay. Like I don't want to <laughs> see that, you know. It was just awkward. Yeah. I don't want to get into everything she did, but it was like the have you seen the Sopranos? No, I have not. Wow. She, weirdly flirtatious, but like I don't know, bro. Yeah, it'll be, be a fucking twenty-hour episode if we had to dig into my whole. Yeah, bro, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, I don't know if I could even do that, dude. I did it for a while now, and I don't want to keep. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'll tell you. I like, do that when I go to bed, bro. I don't do that here. <laughs> yeah, they, it just comes down to like there's certain things with that. Like I feel like a lot of people get comfortable with that, and it's. Yeah, we could dive into it deep again, like I said. But the main thing is, like, one, social cues, too. Like, if your partner doesn't respect you or respect your friends, like, good. I mean, that's kind of tainted soil. You could work at it and try it. But honestly, like, one of the best ways to get respect is to not tolerate, you know, disrespect and to set those boundaries early on. And that goes well. My girlfriend did that with me, like, early on. You know, some things, and it went vice versa. 
And so you learn real quick. You're like, oh, okay, like you can't do that. I joke around way too much, dude. I joke all the time. It's actually something like I I need to get a little more serious. Like even when you're yeah. like joking about that, I'm like, put a park on. Like, there's some shit I don't need to say, you know. And I learned that early on. My girlfriend I was like, dude, if I fucking do this, she's gonna leave because I'm just being an idiot. So he's like, dude, get I'd a little more serious. Push-ups. I I'd told him at one point. I told Trevor one time. I go, tell her to put a muzzle on it and just see what happens. Oh my god. Yeah, that's enough. But she was that's so right, loud too. Right. You gotta like... shove the fork in the socket to see if it'll shock you, and then you do it four times. <laughs> like, all right, that fucker shocks. Like, that's yeah. not doing that again. <laughs> Hard to tell when she was like yelling too, because she was so loud all the time. Like, ugh. All right, like dude, I don't chill on my her. chill on my choices. Jeez. I'm sorry, bro. It was tough. It was tough. <laughs> seeing the whole time. I didn't Near think she you. was that bad, bro. <laughs> Every time I'm like, how the fuck does Trevor put up with this woman? Bro? I'm assuming. Uh, there we go. We're all back. And that, you, yeah, you think about my other ex, and you're like, all right, now I get how he puts up with it. This dude's like a sadist. He just likes pain. <laughs> no, dude, I, uh, it's a, it's a good kind of thing to touch on is being, uh, being not serious. Cause I've struggled with that my whole life. My brother, maybe mm-hmm. he's listening. He's, str- he struggles with it all day, all day. Like in the army, I'd be doing so, there were countless amount of exercises I did because I was not serious. Yeah, and I still yeah. I still don't know how to do it. I could be serious a little bit, but I still don't know how to yeah. flip the yeah. little switch. To this the, dude yeah. at 19 when he first got to the shop, bro, I did not like him at all. I would go oh, home, yeah. bitch to my wife about all the shit he did, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I did not like him. But, like, looking back now, it makes sense, you know? Yeah, it's be, yeah when someone's a little too play, That's what my story was, like, growing up a bit, was, like, people hated me at first, and then they fucking absolutely loved me towards the end because... It's like that. You, you when you're with someone in the beginning, you gotta respect the boundary a little bit. And you just come out, you're just fucking joking around with them, everything. It's kind of it's a weird action, you know. Because I, I had to have it happen to me a few times where I'm like, oh fuck, what the fuck? Like yep. I don't like them. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. oh, they're just playful. They're good people. They just like you gotta kind of give people a little bit of respect in the beginning, you know. Maybe joke around here and there, but like take them very serious. People don't like it when you don't take them serious. So when you joke with them right off the bat, you're considered an asshole. I learned that the hard He'd way. He'd be like, Sergeant Dingus, can I get a TI down here? Yes, dude. Dingus, yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Good. It's not going to work that way. So, yeah, that's yeah. the other half of it. But, like, in in anything like the Army, military, you know, like, high competitive sports, like, that sense of humor is, like, it's it's a huge thing. Because, like, uh, it's not the same. But I, I, we do this crazy VO2 max workout, okay? It's the worst thing ever. Um, I, like, actually, it's happening Saturday is the first one to fight camp. And, like, I'm nervous right now thinking about Saturday. Like, that's how bad it is. Because I know what I'm going to have to go through. And just, like, it's just pain. It just sucks. And like when when I could add a tinge of humor in it, like just a little bit, it softens the blow so 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 much. And oh. so you get that, but like you just gotta, you know, you gotta know when when's the time and place for that. Obviously, now like my buddy Victor, bro, he's the worst. Like you could like tell him, hey dude, like my grandma died and this happened and I got cheated on, and he'd turn a fucking witty joke from it. And like I, my problem is I laugh at it, so I enable it a little too much. But like anything can happen to that guy, and he's gonna turn it into a fucking joke. Yeah, when Trevor would say some funny shit, like I didn't want to laugh, right? Yeah. Dude, it's the amount of oh, times man. I saw Kevin with that like mouth, <laughs> like the little mouth motion, like a half smile. I like, could tell yeah, he had man. a good heart, you know, just young, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. But it was cool, though, because like normally in the army, like sergeants and above don't bitch down to people. Like mm-hmm. they would never complain to the junior enlisted guys, but I was really open about it. Right. Like I was open with telling Trevor, like, if you do something dumb, the platoon sergeant's going to yell at me. Like, yeah, it falls back on me. Like he wore these uh, chewed up ass boots to a promotion ceremony and the platoon sergeant, huge asshole, but he looks at Trevor and then he looks at me and he goes, yeah. what the fuck? 
I'm like, I don't know. And he goes, <laughs> fix him. So we got to <laughs> stuff Trevor's feet in these small ass boots because they were the only clean ones in the shop, bro. Yep. But I could be open. Like, I like that a lot more, you know, like we can kind of share our feelings with each other. And dude, that's why we started this shit, dude. Is it, yeah. If you don't, if you don't get to do that every, like, like you're, you're missing that communication piece. Like, even if he thinks in society, mm -hmm. society has the stigma around men and the, you know, the crying and the mental health. But mm -hmm. it's because for so long, we never talked. We never said anything. We're living completely yeah. different realities, dude. I'm going to, I'm about to have to watch that Scientology documentary, see how much bullshit this is. But, <sighs> but I, I love it, dude. I, I'm eating this shit up, dude. I, I live in Tampa too. The, the main Scientology building in Clearwater is like fucking oh, 40 really? minutes away, bro. I might just show up there and tell him I know what's up. Yeah, my buddy was in there and he was uh he was explaining some stuff to me. I was like, damn, dude, like yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. It's pretty Park. mobby. South Park? Yeah, yeah. yeah they explain exactly. what they like actually believe. I'm like, this is not real, bro. Yeah, dude, it's a it's a little wild. At first, though, like, but the thing is, like, they, they do carry good principles. So that's how they get you. Like, you can't look at someone and be like, oh, they're dumb, or it's just all BS. Like, uh, there's gotta be something there for that many people to go there, you know. So there is value there. It's just you gotta really deep dive to understand how they manipulate the value and and get something out of it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um so. yeah, real quick though, bring it back. Like when you went to therapy, Trev, and you were open about it. Mm -hmm. got like half our shop going to therapy like a month after that yeah yeah like just because you were open about it you know like, yeah just because yeah. talking dude if you just if you just let because especially with like this the men's health stuff if one dude says something all like the dudes are gonna follow there just mm -hmm. needs to be one dude willing to just say dude my life fucking this sucks, sucks. everything sucks yeah i don't want to live and it takes that one dude for everyone to be like dude been feeling like that for two years now <laughs> yeah. especially in the army bro there's such a stigma around it like you're malingering you know or it's not real you're trying to get out of work like yeah dude it's that chimp brain like i said dude like you, you want to fit mm -hmm. in dude if you're the one guy showing weakness you're like oh shit, or yeah. what's perceived as weakness it's never gonna work out you know like you yeah. could lose did your you... job too bro oh yeah they could kick you out easily did you did you hop on? Like, when did you get in touch with the mental health stuff? Is that almost immediate when you, you know, started doing MMA and stuff, or did you just kind of? So my on? my mental health is different. So I was never depressed. I would get. I remember when I was nineteen, I moved out and I got this like crazy summertime sadness. And then I heard the song "Summertime Sadness." I was like, "Oh, it's probably a normal oh, thing." Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. I was just like, "What the hell's going on?" And I remember I watched Harry Potter. It was like, "All right, this is the only thing that made me feel better." But I just remember this crazy sadness happened. And then that was like pretty much that right there. And then I like I've had some hard shit happen, like um like most people, you know, like some really hard shit. And I dealt with it. But like fighting for me, like always made me super mentally strong where I struggled mentally was like I have some like clinical actual OCD. And uh, that was like the toughest thing to overcome. Um, but what was cool was one day I found like out with OCD. I was looking into therapy. And I was going to get into it because like when I tell you like like name a letter real quick for me. Okay. K is uh, the L, so we did JKL, yeah, so K is 11, L is 12, those are the 12 letters of the alphabet, so I have a thing of counting in numbers, and so what I would do is, like, my number was 7, every day of the week, like, Friday is the 5th day, so on Friday, the base number is 12, if I had coffee, the C was a 3, so that'd be 15, 15 meant a certain number, do you see the side, like, the, whoa, the, the, what the fuck, crazy. Yeah, numerology so, yeah. shit, dude, yeah, and it's not even, like, it is kind of numerology, but it's just the OCD in my brain, it started out, like, couldn't it was like a big traumatic incident i lost my first amateur mma fight I trained my ass off it was a big deal 
we watched Butterfly Effect, and I remember I was in traffic. I was like, oh, if I would have went right around the car instead of left, maybe I would have won my fight. And then I couldn't turn fucking left anymore. That's what it boiled down to. I remember I, I was like getting your whole life becomes this thing where you hide it then. So I was like 19 at the time. And like, I would like go run food. I was a food runner at the pool and I could walk this way, which was like, let's just say 50 steps. Or I could walk 300 steps the back way. Well, I couldn't turn left. So I didn't go the 50 steps. And people would always ask me like, why do you always take the long way? What's wrong? Did I add make up some crazy excuse? You know what I mean? So I wouldn't mm -hmm. get caught, but like, and you're not even aware of it. And so I really, when I got with this girlfriend about five years, five years ago this month, and uh, we were doing something as a year in, she was like, why are you doing this, 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 this? She started catching me. And I was like, yo, I'm going to tell you something I've never told anyone in my life. I was like, I have some OCD, you know? And I started explaining. She was like, is like, that so, why you, you like bit. kissed me five times? And I was like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bro, like It was that bad. So I got into therapy, started looking into it and shit, because like I could handle trauma. I could handle all these like tough things mentally, but I feel like I had like an actual like issue and it could be pharmacological, like my actual biochemical makeup of my brain was off for whatever reason, or like maybe it was trauma, maybe it's genetic, whatever it was. I had a real serious issue. So I looked in therapy and the coolest thing about the therapy was it is called exposure therapy. So you could pay mm -hmm. a therapist and they they walk you through exposing yourself to bad things. So if like the number six was bad, so I couldn't drink coffee on a Thursday, fucking drink the coffee. Cause what happens is when you avoid it, you actually give it more power. So I, I started doing my own exposure therapy. And dude, when I tell you like, you do something like, oh, if you took three sips of water and the number was 16, you thought like your dreams would crumble, your life would forever, never bounce back. You would have to suffer all these things and you would die like, and everyone in your family's gonna die a painful death. like. That's the feeling you got and you would do it and you're just sitting and you're like, I fucked up. Like, I like it's like every little thing feels like one step too far. You're off your life path. Everything's going to be ruined from there. You're not going to live a fulfilled life and you're going to die one day. It's all for nothing. Well, don't and, everyone says that they have that shit, too. Now, like OCD, like I think I explained a little bit like how deep OCD really, really. Is. Yeah, no, you, yeah, you nailed it. You put, yeah. yeah. How did you how did you get over that? Just uh, through I still therapy? Okay. Still battle, still battle it daily. So I'll tell you right now, I'm like, fuck, I'm not gonna shill it, but I'll I'll explain it in a better way so I don't sound like a fucking salesman. Uh, exposure therapy for sure, that helped massively. That was like the main thing, but also taking the pharmacological approach. So, um, fuck, I mean, dude, the best I ever felt is when I started taking methylene blue. That was one of the things I noticed. So I tell the story was three weeks after my fight and my face is still shattered, like the X-rays still come back cracked, but my brain is not concussed anymore. I feel. 100% good. Six weeks after the fight, I feel better than before. And what I refer to a lot, and I don't talk too much about, but I will be open about it. But it was my OCD was like almost gone. I can make decisions. I can do whatever I want. I was free. I, I paired that with one. I walked the walk, like left foot. I did the actions, but two, I also took the approach pharmacologically. Like I added methylene blue, which is shown to have like the actual psychological health benefits of that. They were using it as anti-psychosis medicine in the early 1900s. And they were getting like bipolar people depressed people all that shit like they were healing a lot of it with it so for me i think that helped too but the main thing honestly was doing the exposure work if i didn't do the exposure work it wouldn't have worked if i just took methylene blue it wouldn't have worked okay so the exposure therapy i had to do so you mix that with being healthy boom you have a double-edged sword right there you're running like i said left foot right foot yeah i had to like when i was like kind of auditing myself in that process like i would struggle with fixating on shit like if mm -hmm. I was interested in some, I wanted to know all there is to know about it, right? Oh, you're just autistic like me then. We're good. Yeah, but like, <laughs> yeah, I knew that I did that. And if it was something bad, like if I wanted to learn how to do something, you know, less than legal, 
I would learn mm -hmm. everything about it and I would get really good at it. And yeah. I'm like, shit, this is an issue. But I realized if I focus on something good, like working out and fitness or, you know, this uh, like health stuff, yeah, I could actually use it to benefit me. Exactly. Yeah, it's about getting obsessed. And that's, I'm the same way, dude. I, uh, during COVID, I tried playing World of Warcraft. Dude, I watched oh, yeah. 20, 40 hours of videos and I played an hour of World of Warcraft because I want to know everything about it before I did. And then I realized, you know, and so that's why I, I'm very conscious about what I do. I don't allow myself to download that new Call of Duty. I'll play Mario Kart because not too much to learn, you know, like every now and then, once, once a week, I'll play Mario Kart with my girlfriend and some friends, and that's about it. So, because I know if I can hyper fixate on something that fun, you know, I will. But if I just force myself to watch boxing, I'll watch 30 hours of like right now, like I'm watching Gervonta Tank Davis. I've seen almost every one of his fights. Tenshin Nasukawa is a Japanese kickboxer. I've seen every one of his fights probably three to five times. And that's because I hyperfixate. I watch, 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 watch. So I go, okay, well, I'm just going to consciously choose what I want to hyperfixate on. And now I'm going to let myself go. You know, I, I put myself in the arena and then I let it go. And then that's how I get like very like leaps and strides. That's how I learned about methylene blue. That's how I learned about the body, OCD, everything. What's, uh, what's the studies got to say about psilocybin? Uh -oh. Have Those you dug into that? Yeah, psilocybin is really, really good for that. So um, can't take like I microdosed for a while. Um, didn't help my OCD as much as methylene blue did, but methylene blue and psilocybin both hit the serotonin receptors. And if you do a microdose of psilocybin and you take methylene blue, you will have a macrodose of psilocybin. I learned that Whoa. one the hard way while I was at work. So good that, looks, bro. Holy crap. Oh, yeah. Man. So those <laughs> things are like. Like you said, with the marijuana, turn off your emotional side is like, imagine like you're right here, you know, like, you, and you're on a lookout of a mountain and you're only looking this way at it. Imagine if you get to another peak of a mountain and look down from the other side of things, you know, and that's what those things are. They're tools to one, to give you a new perspective, but two, there's a little bit of a thing me and uh, Disco Orpheus gave, we talked about on Twitter before. It's a place where you can marry your conscious and your subconscious as well. So you get a new perspective on life from a different angle. And at the same time, your conscious and your subconscious are directly connecting. So it's a lot easier to program yourself. So right now, if you went and looked in the mirror and you told yourself a hundred times, like, I am the greatest, I'm the best, I'm, I'm everything I need, blah, blah, blah. Your subconscious is listening, but you got to do a lot more reps. But you put your brain in an altered state, whether it is high traumatic, high stress, pharmacologically like say with psilocybin or anything like that you turn off that default mode network like you go into a cage fight your default mode network's off you get in a nice bath you're on your 10th mile it's easier to talk to that subconscious you know and you can really program it because you can hear what that subconscious is saying you can't really hear it when you're at baseline but when you get in those stress situations you hear it and you can kind of talk to it more it's easier to program in those situations so psilocybin is a great tool for that and i use psilocybin to like realize a couple of things like what i was subconsciously programmed but for me like i like it but the, I don't know, like for me, mushrooms just aren't my thing anymore. I did a lot of microdosing. Mm -hmm. I did like two doses. And I was like, you know what? I got everything I need out of that. I don't feel the need for it anymore. I actually truly enjoy more of doing the long way, more scenic route up the mountain. So maybe being 10 miles in a run and getting that perspective or introspection okay. out of that rather than just taking a pill and then being like, holy shit, like ah, I feel like shit about myself sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yo, oh, my God. That's a good. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, everything comes with a price, and like you could do it that way, but I just feel like you get a lot more out of it the other way. Yeah, I have yeah. a hella addictive personality too. That's where it's like nice having a friend that's kind of similar. Yeah, like you can, like, when I had that bottle of vodka and you asked me about it, or I saw the gun on your bed and I asked you about it. You know, it's like we know that we have kind of the ability to get things that we shouldn't try. You know, like we could hurt yeah. ourselves with, and like we know that, so we can kind of keep each other accountable. I guess. 
that's so good dude like everyone wants to it's kind of like the other part of it is like when i talk about taking the psilocybin to help it's like you don't need running shoes to run but they sure fucking help okay Mm -hmm. you don't need a friend to help you out to be in a good mental state you don't need psilocybin to get you like in the right place where you can marry conscious subconscious but it sure fucking helps you know so what are we going for results or principle here you want to do it the hard way mr goggins go go run your fucking 40 miles okay if not you want to like you know get a result out of it then go get the result side of it too. So both are both are right. They both go to the top of the mountain. Just make sure you're not harming yourself in the process. You know what I mean? Have you ever microdosed uh, LSD, like acid? No, I haven't done acid. So I was like, it's funny because I'm a big like natural guy. It's funny because I sell a 100% synthetic compound. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so like LSD was kind of like, I don't know. But from what I hear, I might maybe later in life do it. But right now I'm just like, no need but i heard great things about it honestly like it's oh, more of like yeah. a, a mushroom trip i don't feel in control where apparently like acid you're more in control you're in the driver's seat like microdose we both did that and it was awesome bro yeah that's what you know and that's what i would you know later maybe after my professional career i i plan on doing a lot of trial and error with a lot <laughs> of anabolics and psychedelics after i'm done fighting and like you know everything's kind of taken care of but until then like I'm in a good state, I think, mentally. I'm in a good state physically, and I just want to keep doing what I'm doing, pushing the limits the way I've been doing it because it's working. I mean, yeah, you don't really need anything then. Shit. Yeah. Like, I don't do the acid anymore because I don't really need it, like, for my anger. That part. Yeah, you get what you want out of it, and then it's kind of like, all right, it's the same old yeah. shit. Like, I remember the last few times I microdosed, I was like, I don't even like this anymore. Like, I got what I need out of it. Like, I got that new perspective, Not the same old shit. And, like, the only time I really want to do it, I realized, like, well, I'm trying to escape. Like, I didn't want to go to work, do boring work. I was like, oh, if I microdose, I'm get it done quicker. And it was like, no. It was like, you want to feel a little buzz while you were working. Like, let's be honest, man. Yeah, "Yeah, Yeah. you're right. Don't need to do it anymore, so. It was cool, too, because it worked differently for Trevor and I. It was like, whatever we were struggling with, it kind of helped, you know. Yeah, Yeah. it was was interesting. Your mind mind takes, takes the ropes with that one. Uh, whatever you want to work on you'll hear it a lot like uh i hear it a lot with dmt your mind or ayahuasca we've had a couple people on talking about that your mind will will focus on what you think you need to focus on like you you already know going into the trip what you want to kind of fix and then the trip Mm -hmm. just ends up taking over for you so it's like yeah yeah you go in you kind of tell where you're going you sit in the passenger seat right right and that's yeah so then yeah what you're doing is you're in the driver's seat and you're like i'm gonna just go run up a fucking mountain and i'm like mm-hmm. you know what i'm gonna just yeah. fucking hang out for a couple hours <laughs> yeah no yeah i just like i don't know i just always like the the harder way and that's the principal side of things you know what i mean but yeah 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 um, i don't know i i i advocate for all of it it's hard because yeah like you're saying i mean every drug has its use and if someone I don't know who it was. I I seen this a while ago. It's each each person in your life is there for a certain amount of time and they go. It could be quick, mm-hmm. it could be long, it could be I mean it could be, you know, your wife of 80 years who finally dies. Mm-hmm. Or it could be my ex-girlfriend who was here for a year. Either way, yeah. so they're in your life for a certain amount of time. It's the same thing with with drugs except you have to say when it's it's time to toss them and that's where i think a lot of addiction comes from but this we talk a lot about addiction so i hope what we just talked about helped a decent amount of people because if you could if you could analyze why you're doing it like yeah right, i'm gonna i'm yeah, gonna smoke bro. to to calm down and then you realize okay well fine okay let's let's try to be calm on my own and not have to smoke and then all right well i could be calm on my own okay now yeah. i don't need it like you have to really do do the mental work yeah, yeah like everything's when, a 
Go ahead. Sorry. Like when you were up here last time, bro, like we did not smoke an eighth of what we used to because we no. don't need to, you know? Yeah. Yep. No, it's just, we don't. Yeah. It's like natural everything's a, everything's a blessing or a curse too. That's the thing. So when I, when I open up and I'm like joking about the airplane thing, like, dude, it is a blessing, honestly, because I get to have that crazy adrenaline rush and that fear protocol. And every single time, like, oh, I remember a few times, and, dude, it sounds so wacky. But like, if you if you feel the fear I had, like, it'd be cool. But like, I put crowd noises on during takeoff. And I imagine me being in the cage and feeling that feeling, you know, Whoa. so that's a blessing. And we we're talking addicted personality. If you know, you get addicted, then just put yourself in the right realm. You know what I mean? You know, you're an introvert, then get work done. You know, you know, you're an extrovert marry that for yourself you know if you have social anxiety and get around that or take that opportunity to face your fears you know i actually had ibs for a multiple of years and uh i would get this is it it the worst pain ever in my life when it happens probably happened like 30 to 50 times where i would around 4 p.m get tunnel vision around 6 p.m the pain would set in around 8 p.m to 8 or 6 a.m i'd have the worst pain of my life and i remember one time like I had to just accept it. And I was like, all right, what the fuck is going on? And I deep dove in. I was like, well, I, I have an electrical signal because that's all pain is like from my stomach to my brain telling me I like this is the worst thing ever. But when you're feeling the pain, you feel like it's so negative. I was like, well, what makes this negative? Like every deep question you could ask, like what makes this electrical signal negative? What what if this was a positive signal and my brain liked it? Like then I wouldn't feel like shit, you know, like what is pain? What is it, you know? And it led me down this great road. I remember when I started like, heal myself like heal my body start being like more in tune with my diet and then like start to figure out what was going on and it stopped happening i remember i was like damn like it was like six months after i've had like an incident or like a year after and i was like i kind of like like those used to check me those used to put me in like such a good mindset you know and oh, like that's... it was a blessing it really was and like during it obviously it was fucking the worst thing ever but you look back and you're like damn like dude like those were the times i like i figured shit out like because i it makes you take a step back what the fuck's going on here what are we doing here yeah. what do we want out of life like you know and i remember doing all that so it's crazy shit all our shit trev like i wouldn't change anything like that made us who we are today like yeah exactly, exactly. yeah sucked, yep. but now, I remember thinking as a kid, and my family, I think I said this once before, my family thought I was nuts because as a kid, I used to say that pain is really nothing. Mm -hmm. It's just just a mental game. Just tell yourself you're not hurting. Mm -hmm. And my whole family thought I was insane for it. Yeah. Like, Dude, what's your, what's your problem? I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm like fucking 14 years old. I'm like, I don't know. I just played hockey. You know, my shoulder hurts, but it only hurts when I think about it hurting. So yeah. if I don't think about it hurting, then what is it? It's kind of nothing. Yeah. Oh, when, when I was in the army, I was super big into running, bro. Like 40 miles a week, 50 miles a week. I was running constantly. Holy and shit. I heard this guy on a podcast say, just run through the pain. Yeah. And like, I'd get to that wall where I'm like, I can't go any faster. I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going to run through it. Like, put it behind me. Yep. And I could do it. It's like, and too, with running, like you're, you're in that space for one or two hours at a time. Like, yeah. If. You, Dude, I, I heard I, uh, I heard uh, there was a quote. I was like, MMA is dumb. It's not as uh, MMA is weaker than running because in running, you can't beat your opponent, but in MMA, you can all shit. And I was like, I'm just going to play devil's advocate and tell you you're a little right here because I fucking would rather spar than run. I'll tell you that right now. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. I can take you down when it gets rough. I can do I can do something at least. I can defend myself or at least take an ass whooping. But when you're running, you got an hour left and you're 55, you know, you're five minutes into it. And there's 55 minutes left on the clock. Guess what? There's 55 minutes left on the clock. No matter what, you're not speeding that up whatsoever. You're just fucking dealing with it. So no, I, get that I, big time. I ran the marathon in Nashville uh, 2019. I was at like mile 18. 
and I yeah. was just dead, bro. Like walking every 30 seconds. I could barely move. And I'm like, this is so ass. I still got eight fucking miles to go. Like, yes. how am I going to do this? But then I thought, oh, I already paid for all this shit. Like, yeah, you got to find either. Now. You got to find the outlet. It's either humor. Or it's another perspective. Um, And that's what, what I was talking about is when we do those crazy VO2 max workouts. One time I did the workout, my camera got stolen that day. I lost like a $700 camera. I was fucking so defeated. I remember being in the workout and then I realized like, wow, I haven't thought of my camera. And I was like, oh my God. Like, it made me just kind of get this weird perspective. I was like, I'm in Australia doing a VO2 max workout with the champ, blah, blah, blah. And I was like so excited to hit the workout. So you just got to find the mental game. Another one for me was like you said, the pain. Like Khabib said, oh, like when you're running and you're tired, you're not tired, you're feeling pain. That's all being tired is, is a little bit of pain. I was like, oh, this is just pain. I'm not going to die. And I remember I was running bleachers mm -hmm. and my legs started burning. Normally, oh, I'm tired. Like you kind of give yourself that I'm tired. I can't go gas tank empty related to that rather than like, oh, I'm just experiencing pain, but my body's fine. You're like, oh, shit. And then you can push through it because you're like, oh, it's just a feeling. So it's a yeah. wild one. That's what's great about running. Like if you're going three miles out and three miles back, you're not going to stop at that three miles back. You know, like you got to come yep. back eventually. Yeah. Exactly. Um, that running sucks. Fuck running. running I got sucks, asthma yeah, now. Running like, sucks, dude. And I even thought about it this morning. I'm like, ah, I might go for a run. And then yeah. I immediately thought again that I won't. Yeah. <laughs> the the army makes you hate running because they do it really stupidly. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, running. Like, I, I just don't know why I would do it at this point. I'm, I'm already, I need to gain weight. Like maybe cardiovascular, go for a walk. Zone but two like, cardio, I, dude, bro. I need to gain fucking weight. I'm too small. Yeah. It'll help you eat more. Sure. A little bit, yeah. yeah but shit, let me send the final question then. That's what okay. I'm saying. For the people that are really down, how do they kind of start the healing process and like get to know themselves really? How do you start that? I think the easiest road to it is action. Always, it's always going to be action. So just fucking do something hard that day that's going to raise your baseline. If you start your day with a fucking ice bath, I know it sounds so cliche, so overplayed. But you start your day with that fucking suck. Like, you know, when when Susie tells you something that annoys you or fucking you remember like some trauma from the past that's kind of shitty and you, you feel that weight on you, it's probably not as bad as that fucking 30 degree tub. And so you raise your baseline. Basically, you raise like a, your, your tolerance threshold kind of goes up of like what's going to really like what's it going to take to make you upset and really bring you down. So action is always the first thing um, or you could attack it mentally. Too. you could always go through it the mental route but just action's easier it's easier for you to go and hop in an ice bath for three minutes than it is for you to sit there with your thoughts for an hour and really boil through it and work through it work through it work through it the mental route's like a lot of work a lot of like water a lot of work pop and like one day you get this breakthrough you know and it's like little breakthroughs along the way whereas like the actions will like every day you just fucking chip 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 mm -hmm. and then it makes it easier so i always just say just start with action start with like even if like you think it's dumb, woo woo, whatever, just try it. Just try different woo woo shit, and event you never know what you might fall in love with that way too. No, the they're like a little ahead. easy W that you can recommend people like the the easy W is cold exposure. Honestly, like yeah. ten out of ten fasting cold exposure. Like honestly, not even fasting. Cold exposure is the easiest W of the day because that little cold, you're gonna get the fucking endorphin rush too. No matter what you say, like you're gonna get a biological fucking rebound from that cold that's gonna make you feel really good about yourself. You know. And so cold exposure is easy, easy, easy W. Now, the other thing would be obviously like the basics, like, you know, just live a life of basics, remind yourself to go to bed on time, like circadian rhythm. We're all learning how important that is on Twitter, mm -hmm. <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah. But no, it's shit that we've learned our whole entire time. Like circadian rhythm 
get your bare feet on the ground. When they take astronauts and they throw them out in space, there's three things that really fuck with them. It's the no gravity, the no sunlight, like the no like proper sunlight through the atmosphere, and then you're away from Earth's magnetic field. So you're telling me right now, NASA recognizes that astronauts, one of the biggest things that goes wrong with them is they're away from the magnetic field, but you're not gonna put your bare feet on the ground. You're gonna stay insulated. No, go get the fucking negative ions from the Earth. So do stuff like that. Just just stack the chips in your favor and make it easy on yourself. You know, we're going for results, not principle. When you're in like a serious depressed state, you we're not going for principle. We're going for results. When you live in principles and you're depressed, you stay depressed because you, it shouldn't be this way. But guess what? It is. So fucking suck it up, buttercup. Grab a straw. Get outside. Suck it up and get a little sun. Get a little grounding. Mm -hmm. Stay away from fucking sugar. Stay away from alcohol. Stay away from escapes like that. And then add like the like the little easy W's. Like I said, a sauna session a little ice bath, a little sprint on the bike, a little, uh, dude, a little 10, 15 minute workout, or even a five minute workout. I'm telling you right now, I'll give you an easy one, Tabata sprints. You find a distance where you could go down, back, down, back, and it takes about 20 seconds, okay? You're just gonna do five times. All you're gonna go is down, back, down, back, give yourself 10 seconds recovery, okay? And then go again. By that fourth, fifth one, it gets really tough and you're gonna get really tired, but watch your endorphins after that. You're gonna walk around, I guarantee you, you're gonna look in the mirror for a second and be like, I'm the fucking man. And then you're gonna go oh, you're gonna yeah. continue about your day. But that's those little those little stacks right there. So do the basics, get your foundations right, play the long game that way, and then play the short game as well. Do the little easy Ws like that. And then your mind is in a better state then to work through the bullshit. If your body's not in the right state, your mind's not gonna be in the right state. And it's they all work together. So don't think it's one or the other. Mary approaches with both feet. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. Hell Throw yeah. Throw some science behind it just a little bit. Yeah, recent, sprinkle it in. <clears throat> recent study came out. The people that actively do what they do not want to do, mm -hmm. there is a piece of our brain that grows every single time. And it's yeah, it's essentially the the power to the the power to live, the willpower to just continue to stay alive grows. So every time you want it, oh, I don't want to do that. Once you do it, your brain literally grows. The people that are yep. dying with this big are the people like David Goggins just taking on everything they don't want to do. So every exactly. time you think of something you don't want to do, I mean, there is now scientifically proven that it's I'm better off for you to just do it than to yep. sit it in the back because now it's now you're twirling in your brain and you don't know what to do next. I'm thinking the uh, detox run we did every Monday, bro. Detox run. Every, every run, four-mile run, bro, Monday morning. Every Monday, dude, after Ooh. a night out. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Those were brutal. You could smell it. People were like complaining every day before we did it, bro. But after, bro, everyone's chatting, having a good time, bro. Got some yeah. stuff. Yep. Good to go. Yep. So. How can you have a bad day? I promise you, if you get in a three-minute ice bath or you do a 15-minute workout or both, like it takes a lot for your day to go bad. Whereas you wake up out of bed, check your phone, brush your teeth, go to work. It's gonna Susie's gonna say one fucking thing, you're off the rails. I promise you that. <laughs> Promise yeah. you that. Fucking Susie's bitch ass. Fucking Susie, Susie, dude. Fuck Susie, dude. <laughs> Susie or Greg, one of those fucks. Hey, that's my dad's name, pal. All right, we'll, we'll go with Randy, my dad's name, because that fucker will get underneath your skin. Oh, I'll Randy, you right now. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Shout out to the Randy. Well, thank you so much, Vance, for coming out. We might have to get you on again, man. This was a blast. I appreciate it a lot. Yeah, that um, yep. by, bro. Again, anybody still here, man, check out everything this man stands for. He, it's, <laughs> it's a company that I, I would love nothing more than to just watch on the sidelines, watch this man go up because it, it will reach the skies. It's, um, 
it's awesome to see, especially with everyone saying, you know, corporate sucks, capitalism sucks. When you see a brand who actually gives a shit, it uh, it separates you from the rest rather quickly. Yeah, so no shit. Okay. it white pilled me real quick, dude, because it yeah. showed like if you just do everything right, you don't treat people bad, you give back. Like that's my whole business model is like, like I'm going on a business podcast tomorrow and I can't wait just to fucking ruin their day because I'm not getting anything <laughs> other than like, hey, treat everyone like your grandma. She's grouchy. Like you wouldn't be mean to your grandma just being mean. You'd be like, ah, come on, grandma. Like, <laughs> we yeah, we used to like, work for some people like that when we first yeah. got out the army, bro. And you you can't tell us that you're trying to run shit like the army when yeah. we were in the army and you weren't. So yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> Hundred percent, bro. Hundred percent. But I appreciate you guys for having me on big time, too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, bro. man. We'll uh, catch you next time. Good luck. Hey, good luck in the fight, too. Good yes, luck, thank sir. you. I'm working my ass off, so we'll be good. Yes, We're sir. working for you. Right. Peace out, everybody. Peace out. <laughs>